Reality is merely an illusion, albeit a very persistent one. Albert Einstein. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Secrets of Saturn. I'm Jason Lindgren, your host. This episode, we are doing the Lunar Wave Roundtable. We'll be having on Crow Triple Seven, Randy from Houston, and the newest person to capture the lunar wave, Chris Parker from North Carolina. Now, before we begin, I just want to make a disclaimer. I am taking what these folks are presenting at face value. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but I have absolutely no idea what's really going on. As always, I recommend everyone to do their own research and make up their own minds. With that being said, here we go. All right, gentlemen, welcome. Hey, man, how's it going? Hello, how you doing? Hey. hey. Sounds like we're all here and live. All right, let's get this show on the road. Crow, why don't we introduce you first? Go ahead and tell a little about yourself. <laughs> hey, this is Crow Triple Seven. I run a YouTube channel and a podcast called Crow Triple Seven Radio. Um, you can go to either one of those two places to see what I'm about. Awesome, Randy. Hey, this is Randy from Houston. Uh, I'm a businessman here. I own a company that we uh, do a lot of hard work and make some money at the same time. Don't really have a big YouTube channel, but uh, I caught the lunar wave and some other cool stuff and. Uh, sharing my stuff with everybody, so that's kind of me. Awesome. Go ahead, Chris. Hello, my name's Chris Parker. I got a YouTube channel, basically for my own private use, and then all of a sudden it's uh, kind of cooking up. But I've uh, yeah, just recently, kind of recently, started this astronomy thing. So uh, yeah, just kind of joining in the talk here after the old catch on May thirteenth of the the wave. Awesome. Now, the reason why we're all here is because you three gentlemen have all independently caught the lunar wave phenomenon. So I'm going to hand the baton to Crow and let him explain what the lunar wave is when he captured it and that whole history. <laughs> well, asking me what the lunar wave is is a tall order. Um, we have yeah. theories. We have evidence. Uh, the lunar wave, for people who haven't seen it, which is hard to imagine anyone who's interested in this kind of thing hasn't seen it by now, is it almost looks like a refresh going over the image of the moon in two independent waves. The lunar wave always seems to come in a pair. Um, it can come from just about any direction, and the waves have been clocked at many different speeds. Uh, the 2012 footage was the first lunar wave caught by me uh, in San Diego, California, uh, right at the fall equinox uh, on the night of the highest Jewish holiday of all nights. And uh, that's probably still the best example, though Chris Parker, uh, the new kid in town in terms of wave filmers, uh, who's on this call, caught one on Friday the 13th in May. And uh, that probably would rival uh, the, uh, the 2012 footage had it been shot in full frame. But there it is. Awesome, Crow. Uh, can you give a brief rundown of all the people who have captured the wave, how many approximately, and and all that? You, you think a guy like me might be better prepared for a question like that, but I constantly <laughs> butcher this question. Um, we were just talking, and we were having some trouble getting the Skype hooked up. Uh, here's the problem. Richard 205 Maria had sent me a couple waves that I don't think anyone really knew about, um, and it, I think it was Barney's UFO channel. Gosh, I hope I'm not butchering that man's name. Uh, was one of them. There was another one that I'm, I can't even remember the name of it. Then Chris. At some point, we were at nine people who had filmed it something like 18 times. And I pray to God I'm not so far off base here. Um, point is, we should be in the neighborhood of 10 or 11 people having filmed it darn close to 20 times. And I know yeah. that's pretty weak. But the point is, is I just really haven't 
kept front and center on this because I really want it to be more organic and let the people who film it uh, have their say, have their participation. Um, Randy, can you come any closer than me on this? Man, that, that's pretty accurate right there and uh, that I can tell. <laughs> and uh, But, uh, yeah, it's just that more and more people are getting in on this deal. And, uh, and I can't say that it was any particular time. It's just it, as we all have caught it couple of times or one time etc but uh, i think those numbers are pretty close you got there crew yeah i I think they are but i would mention uh chris's capture on the 13th of this month we're in may of 2016 um is within what i predicted a long time ago to be the golden month which was which i marked at the spring equinox so march 21 22 depends on your calendar in the neighborhood of march 21 each year is the spring equinox and i theorized from what i had seen up to that date uh that there was 30 days from that point forward where we really had an opportunity to film lunar waves and of course chris parker's wave falls in that zone and uh mm-hmm. if it's vetted as a genuine lunar wave because um, I, I won't be vetting other people's footage anymore uh it's a heck heck of a capture very distinct lunar wave that he filmed if it's vetted that way yeah now crow i think the important thing to uh, get out here is that all these different people have captured the wave independently all over the world with completely different equipment and had nothing to do with each other well i mean that's that's absolutely true um uh, randy and i met because of the lunar wave um sometime after randy had been following me he filmed his first wave uh chris and i met because people pointed me to his channel uh probably less than a week ago or you know about a week ago um, and I met him that way. I, m- I met Richard 205 Maria. I met Gustav, the gentleman in Germany, who was the first one to produce a lunar wave uh, after I initially caught a wave. And had, I'd been, it, there was a time back in 2013 when I was the only person who'd ever filmed it. And Gustav was the first person who came around. But I mean, uh, I can't even remember all the names at this point, uh, simply because I'm doing so many things. I don't concentrate on this one thing. Sure. Now, if you wouldn't mind, um, since you were the first person to capture it uh, really so so amazingly uh, clear and detailed, please give a description of what the lunar wave is, what you captured, and then how many times you caught it again afterwards. Okay. So, so many people are familiar with what I'm about to say here. Um, I had seen black triangles transiting the moon uh, on the supermoon of 2012. That's the reason I was filming the night uh, that I by pure luck, caught the lunar wave for the first time. I was looking for strange objects because I had become aware that there were strange things going on up there, and I was filming strange things that didn't seem to fit the description of anything we've been told about, certainly were not satellites. So I was filming on uh, that night in September, right uh, what is it? Right at or right after the, the fall equinox. Jeez, I can't even remember the date now. It's been so long since I've talked about this. Um, anyhow, by chance, I saw – well, let me, let me back up a little bit. I had panned my camera below the moon, and the lunar wave started, but I didn't notice it. I panned my camera back up above the lunar wave, which I had not yet noticed, centered it on the moon, and then I saw it come into frame. My initial reaction was this has to be uh, equipment failure, which is ridiculous because it's a completely organic thing, and I'm a very digital person. Uh, it looks nothing like it digital terror or you know a digital system failing in any way but of course when you see something like that you try to explain it away with common sense um 
anyhow, two waves came by, and uh, I don't know, a month, month and a half went by, and eventually I threw that clip away, thinking that it was nothing special. That night that I had thrown it in the trash, I woke up, ran out to the computer, restored it, because that camera pan had proved that it had nothing to do with equipment. The wave had started, I panned the camera above the wave, the wave caught up to the camera, and that was bulletproof evidence that it was a filmed event. So what was it, Crow, that you just were thinking about it and it occurred to you, hey, wait a second, this isn't initially what I thought it was, which was, you know, just nothing, equipment failure? Well, it's it's kind of like a Providence story. It really is. First of all, um, I after I filmed the lunar wave, I reached up to delete that clip, and for some reason I didn't. Had I done that, it would have been gone forever because that would have been deleted off the camera. Um, I kept going back, you know, every few days looking at it, and something was bothering me. And what was bothering me is subconsciously, my brain was trying to tell me, "Dude, this is not the way digital equipment fails." But when you see something yep. like that, and and so many people come and comment and say, "Oh, that's your equipment. Oh, that's you know rendering from the video. Oh, that's any number of things." But what happened was, is I deleted it, and all of a sudden, as I was laying down to sleep, it came to the forefront, the camera pan, and I ran out and looked at it. And it, to be honest with you, as soon as I restored the clip, uh, it kind of scared me in a way because all it it all hit me all at once that um this is a filmed event what the hell could it possibly be and you've now repeated that multiple times correct right so i took heat for a year and a half um i kept going out every chance i got trying to film the lunar wave people were saying i faked it people were saying it was equipment and ignoring the fact that the camera pan proved it wasn't equipment and I filmed for a year and a half all the way to the spring of 2014 uh, when I caught another wave. And then, of course, the argument became I was the only person who had filmed it, so clearly I was faking it. Um, to date, I have six captures. And um, I believe Richard 205 Maria is claiming six captures at this point. Awesome. Uh, let's move along to Randy. Randy, what have you captured as far as the lunar wave goes? Well, I've captured it twice. And uh, let me just back up just a tiny bit and uh, give a brief synopsis of what, you know, how it kind of taken place. Uh, just like Crow, we are just out there filming. Uh, actually, I just had purchased a uh, Sony Handycam, a little 1080p, nothing fancy. And I was just actually out there just shooting the, the moon straight up from the camera itself. And I actually seen some things transit in front of the camera with no telescope, no nothing. I'm like, wow, I said, i got to get me a telescope. You know, I want to look at the moon and just see some stuff, you know. It wasn't out to catch any lunar wave, which I had no clue what a lunar wave was, never heard of it. Uh, so I ended up getting me a telescope, a little Celestron uh, SE6 or 6SE, rather, and uh, got me a little adapter, hooked my camera to the eyepiece, and, man, I started getting some really clear shots of the moon. And, of course, you see these strange objects fly by so you know that was my intrigueness is to just to, to look at these objects that's passing by and um, this particular day i was i was really tired i had worked a long day and it was like almost nine o'clock or eight thirty something nine and uh, just fixed to shut everything down and i just so have to look down at my monitor because you know trying to look through an eyepiece or the little screen on the on the camera you just can't see anything so i got a nice big monitor that i watch everything and i just so happened to look down and uh, well no let me back up a little bit this is i'm going back to the first one i had in the meantime i had 
seen some of Crow's work and seen his lunar wave, I'm like, wait a minute. I, I've seen this before in one of my videos. So I went back through all the videos that I had, and on the particular one that the first time I caught it, I was zoomed in on the moon just like as if you was looking in your backyard. You know, it was just really close. All you could see is see the, you know, just the mass of the moon. And this wave, when it passed by, it looked just like if you were standing in the surf and a wave just passes by your feet. So I pulled it out. I, you know, chopped it down a little bit, and I sent it to Crow. I said, here, check this out. You don't know me, but this is who I am, blah, blah, blah. And I said, vent me out. Check it out. Tell me what you think. Well, Crow immediately come back. He says, uh, yes, dude. He says, this is the lunar wave. He says, actually, you caught it twice. He said, about 17 seconds later, it passed. Again, just as you were fixing to move the telescope around, it passed by once more. And then, of course, he, he advised, he said, look, back out from it, get a bigger perspective of what you're looking at. He says, when you look at it that close, only you really know what you're looking at. Anybody else looking at the moon from that close up, it just looks like a blob. So I backed the camera out and, uh, you know, got a, I, what I could get in my frame, which is almost a full, the full frame of the moon. And this particular day, now going back to the day I caught it the second time, and I was just watching the moon and how it was, uh, it had this pulsating look to it. And Crow and I have discussed this many a time as how it's like a telltale sun. It, it, the moon just has this pulsating. It just, as one lady described it to me when she saw it, she says, it almost looks like a sonogram of a baby's heart. It had that kind of a pulsating look and this just weird-looking stuff happening. And I was just fixing to turn the uh, the camera off and go inside because I was tired that day. And then I seen the wave come across, and my heart just sunk because I like, this is what Crow was talking about. He said, okay, about 17 to 18 seconds, it should pass again. I waited, and I waited. Well, actually, 40 seconds, it came by <clears> one more time. Just as clean, just as clear as it could possibly be. And that's the two times that I've caught it. Uh, I haven't caught it since. I mean, Houston weather, it moves in usually about the time you're ready, ready to shoot. Uh, the weather changes on you real fast. And I haven't been able to catch it again. But I have caught a lot of very unique objects passing by. And uh, we can discuss some of those a little bit later on this conversation also. But that's my two times right there. And uh, exciting. And, and uh, I'm ready to catch it again. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. All right, Chris, you are the new fellow. You just captured it for the first time on May 13th. Let's hear your story. Uh, yeah, it was on live stream. It was uh, about 20 minutes into my stream. I just set up my stuff on, like, doing as I usually do, you know, fidgeting with knobs, fighting autofocus, and, uh, you know, just finally getting everything nice and nice and pretty on my end. And I finally uh, get it set up. And uh, a couple people were in the channel at the time, and it was, which is kind of rare for me because you know, just kind of usually just me, just kind of streaming for myself, you know, uh, basically using you know YouTube as a hard drive. So uh, yeah, but anyways, uh, so I I know someone's in the chat room, and I usually use uh, I have a Galaxy uh, S6 that I use for the actual streaming and the camera part, and then I have an old S4 that doesn't really work as a phone anymore. Just basically just basically a calculator with Wi-Fi on it. And uh, I can uh, log into the chat room from this phone and just kind of monitor it from there. And instead of, like, lugging a laptop around with me, you know, I can just kind of be kind of mobile with my whole setup. But uh, so I run upstairs for a second, and as I log into my computer upstairs, 
just to check and see how the stream quality is doing. As I'm saying, like, hello, however, how's everyone? And I look up, and at that very moment, I see the first wave coming up, and I'm like, like, my heart just, like, jumps. <laughs> and it, it's like, oh, my, it, it was the craziest feeling. I was like, is this, like, all of a sudden, it was like, is this real life? And then I was like, <laughs> out loud, I was like, uh, is, there's a second wave? And then second wave comes, I was like, holy shit. And then, like, and then at that moment, I'm like, exclamation mark in the chat room. I'm like, everyone saw that, right? I'm coming back downstairs. And, like, I I couldn't talk or anything. So I'm, like, trying to keep cool. Like, all right, going downstairs. All right. Going outside. The lunar wave just happened. What the fuck? So I I go out, and um, I'm just trying to take it all in. And I'm like, you know, you're just like, that's not... That shit ain't right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's yeah, yeah. it's not supposed to happen like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, I mean, I got to give it to Crow uh, for the marketing on, on the, the name Lunar Wave. It's just <laughs> so fucking – it's catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. It's Like, that could be, like – like, if I had a daughter, that would be her name. You know what I mean? But anyways, uh, <laughs> it's a great name. I'm just saying – T-shirts grow. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure marketing was was my chief concern at the time. I was trying to convince people I hadn't faked it. But it's memorable, and like, yeah. and that's something that really sticks out with people. And like, when I when I tell like I, I show people this video, you know, like on my phone, and they're like, and I just like watch this and just watch until something weird happens, and they'll they'll be watching and be like, oh, I mean, like how it's all like like all watery, and then it, like the wave goes by, and I'm like. Uh, yeah, that part right there. Okay, and then I'll just be like, "Oh, what is?" You know, they won't really know. Like, it, it's kind of it's very hard to explain what a lunar wave is to a regular person who, you know what I mean? Like, who's not in this whole like uh, right, right. You know, civilians we'll call them. <laughs> but it's like, uh, and it was just. Excited, yeah. like in your first kiss. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Well, then you just kind of like they look at you like, okay, what, what's a what's a lunar wave? I'm like, he, oh, you know what? Just just Google it. Yeah, I'll send you some links. You know what I mean? It's just like here, yeah, and then and I'll you know I'll see it, see it down the rabbit hole. And that's that's basically it right there. And uh, but yeah, I'm just I'm just glad that somebody was there to actually catch the wave and the thing i think that's so interesting is like all of the waves so far like it never looks the same you know what i mean it's always kind of like a almost unique like a like mine looks very liquidy like i even before the video like even starts my setup i try to watch the whole video again and uh while i'm setting up i said uh it looks like liquid, and I was like, and like I just got the chills on the second time I watched. I was like, "Holy shit, that is pretty spooky!" Just knowing what's coming up, you know, like five minutes or ten minutes later, like there's. But anyways, so like watching the playback is just kind of. I had to watch it in my driveway, like on my phone, like several times because I was like, I can't believe, I can't. This can't be real life. It's pretty nuts. But uh, yeah, that's that's basically it. Wonderful. And now, Crow, I'd like to hand that back to you. What, since you are the person who has um, looked at these the most, I think, what do you see 
uh, similarity between everything, and what do you see as differences between everything that's been captured? Well, the one constant is the wave comes in pairs. And really, if you if you really take a close look at the footage, that is the only constant. As a matter of fact, until Chris shot his footage, um, the definition of the 2012 footage kind of stood alone, though Randy has a catch, uh, and he mentioned it too. But you see... In the 2012 footage, there's the strange energy pulse that occurs as the lunar wave is beginning. Mm -hmm. So the lunar wave is going to travel bottom to screen, top of screen. The energy pulse goes lower left towards the upper right, and then there's an energy sweep that goes basically left to the right. Um, I may do a clip at some point to show that the wave's going in one direction, the energy pulse in another, and then this energy sweep almost parallel, you know, flat level to the to the to the equator or what the equator would be, um, you know, that basically it's almost like fingerprints. And after I filmed the first one, which is so blatantly distinct and evident, um, I almost wondered if it was trying to be hidden, like if someone actually had control of this because they were quicker and clearer. Some of them, we caught one during a, uh, an eclipse, uh, and I had three people sitting there watching the eclipse on my monitor, and I said, there's the wave, and none of them saw it. And it, it, I realized at the time, you know, my eyes are trained because I've spent so many thousands of hours staring at the monitor. But what we find is if you're out filming and you want to try to do the wave, you want to do it in full frame. You want to get as much of the moon in frame as you can. If you see something that looks like a wave go by, don't shut off your camera because if it's truly a wave, it'll always come in a pair. Other than that, we have seen almost every direction the waves have traveled um, but you see, when you start to take that apart logically, what the heck does that even mean? Because the moon rotates from our point of view about 90 degrees every six hours. So it's not like right. we have the same perspective on the moon and we're told, you know, the model that they hand us that I don't accept is that the planet is spinning as well. My point being this, we know for a fact that there is rotation of the moon about 90 degrees every six hours. So depending on the time of night you shot it has everything to do with which direction the wave appears to be going from your point of view. So I know I kind of wandered there, but the one thing that's common with all waves is they come in pairs. Other than that, the time of a wave is always different. The speed of a wave can be different and how transparent or how distinct it is can be different. Interesting. So even with the ones you've captured, uh, I believe you said six times, they look different and independent of each other? Yes. Um, not only do they look different. Well, you know, there's something else to be said here, though, because on any given moon that you put a decent scope on the moon, the moon looks different every night. And not just because of how much of it's lit. Um, you will find that you have your camera set up from the night before, all the settings, and yet when you put those videos side by side, even the color will sometimes be slightly different on the video you capture. Um, on some nights, my wife and I would go out, and we used to have this joke, because on certain nights, uh, the moon would have a very 3D appearance, and on other nights, it would have a very 2D appearance, and I'm not talking about what happens when there's not as much shadowing going on. Um, I, this would happen on nights when the moon was not fully lit. 
not full, um, and there were shadows to craters. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of difference in how the wave looks. Primarily, it comes down to how fast they're traveling, the interval between waves, and how transparent they are. But again, even the seeing, what's called the seeing on any given night, is never the same. Some nights, the air is crystal clear. Other nights, not so much. And then there's plenty of nights where it's in between somewhere. Now, what I'd like to hear from everyone, and uh, if you happen to know what other folks around the world have been using to uh, do their astrophotography, what gear did you use, Crow, when you captured this? And um, anything else you might know about others as well? Okay, 2012 footage. The 2012 footage was shot on a classic Mead Schmidt Cassegrain telescope uh, that was 8 inches in aperture. The camera that I was using was straight to the back of the scope. In other words, the scope becomes the camera lens. And the camera I was using was a Canon T2i, and I think it's, if I remember, it's like 16 megapixels. Um, anything after, I don't even know the date when I got my new scope, so at least a few were caught with that rig. When I upgraded my scope, it went to an 11-inch Celestron, uh, and then... Some of them were caught with a Nikon, which has 36 megapixels, uh, being the camera, using the scope as a lens. And then I have a Canon that's full spectrum, which has 26 or 28 megapixels. Um, and I've, I've shot waves on the full, full spectrum camera as well. So that's all the rigs I used. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, Gustav, the first guy to shoot a wave uh, besides me that we were aware of, used a Sony Handycam, uh, if I remember back correctly, but I'm not even sure about that now. It's been so long since I've looked at that footage. Awesome. Uh, Randy, let's uh, let's hear from you. What, if, what have you used to shoot the, the lunar wave? Well, uh, I have a Celestron uh, 6SE, and uh, the camera that I use, which is somewhat just the opposite of what Crow is doing, is a Sony Handycam. Uh, that's what I used before... To, to catch the wave, and I just hook it with a special adapter right onto the eyepiece and uh, get it all focused in, and, of course, it just gives you, you know, just great video. It's just straight-run video. Uh, of course, I can take some still shots if I want to, uh, but usually what I do is I just let the video run. I watch the monitor. If I would happen to see anything fly by, which you catch a lot of birds flying by. matter of fact, I got a, a beautiful, beautiful picture of three geese flying by in, in their little formation thing. It just as crystal clear, but they're black, obviously, as they're flying across, but the moon is behind them. And uh, what I do is I just take a steel frame from the video. Uh, now what I have is a Sony uh, AX100 4K camera. Oh, my word, brother. This thing shoots such clear video, it just, it'll just blow you away. Uh, and Crow, I hadn't talked to you about this one, but I had just uh, ordered some up some uh, some special adapters that goes on the front. I've been going crazy trying to find these things to make it work because uh, it's such a big uh, lens on the front. You got to step it down to get it attached to the back of the, the telescope. Uh, so once I get that going really good, I should be able to get some really incredible clean pictures with this 4K camera. Uh, so, but anyhow. What I've been using up to this point is the Sony Handycam. Works great. It's not really expensive, but it works really, really good. And that's kind of my part that I've used. Now, Randy, I'm curious because 4K is definitely starting to come down in price for the you know at the consumer level. 
How much of a difference are you seeing between 1080p and 4K? Now, obviously, you haven't captured a lunar wave with it yet, but what do you think? What do you think you would get out of that uh, from what you've noticed so far and what you have filmed? Well, the the clarity of the video itself. I'm I'm just going to talk a little bit about straight up video. If you're outside, um, I'll give you an example. Uh, on my back patio, I've seen this lizard way out there on the fence. So I just had on a tripod and I zoomed in on this lizard. And I waved my hand and that lizard turned around and looked at me. And I just took a still shot of it. The clarity of it is so well that when I zoomed in just a little bit more, I could actually see the little claw on the end of this lizard's toe or finger, whatever you want to call it. The little claw and the little round pad that just kind of holds him onto the fence. Every detail, like the little scales that you see, the rough skin, you could see the, the little scales, the little rough skin that they have. Everything in such clarity where the 1080p, when you start zooming in at any distance, you know, after a little while, it kind of pixelates just a little bit. Uh, the difference is it's just astronomically clear, just clean, clear. And plus, I really think with the, the optics and what this camera can see, uh, I've shot in shot the, the the moon, I've shot Cirrus, and I've shot Jupiter. Straight up, no telescope with just a 2X converter on the end of this camera. And this thing sees things that I've never seen before. You don't just see a white ball in the sky of something burning. Now, I'm going to step out off, off in the left field just for a second, but this Cirrus is, what, 9 trillion miles away? I don't think I should be able to see anything at 9 trillion miles away, but... When you put this thing on night vision, you can see Cirrus in in its frequency form because it's like you, you know how you see these guys they'll take uh, sand or, or or sugar or salt and put on a speaker and then they change their frequency on the speaker and then of course it forms a geometric form. That's what the, that's what Cirrus looks like. And with this camera, when you take it a little bit out of focus, you can just see something totally different. So it's exciting what I've just seen so far, but I tell you what, this is going to open up a whole lot of doors. And have, like you said, the price is starting to come down. I've got probably uh, close to $2,000 tied up in the camera and just different pieces that I've added to it. Uh, that might be on the high end of what a lot of people can afford. But like Chris, he's doing things on a budget and uh, he's caught, caught the lunar wave with the basics of equipment. So it doesn't really matter what you have. Just throw it up there and start shooting and just see what comes out of it, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I'm just thinking about how, how much more uh, data we could get out of a, if a 4K capture comes along, you know, through a decent scope, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, it should be just daylight and dark. I, I can't explain it. If you ever go to one of your uh, stores that sells 4K uh, TVs and just look at the TV itself and you'd go on, you could see a video, and, and you could see the person standing, and you could see the strands of hair. That's how clear this thing is. So I couldn't imagine that the video of a lunar wave through a telescope with this camera, that you wouldn't be able to see detail that would just it would just blow you away. And so I'm really excited. Yes. I mean, actually, I'm fired up to just even get the moon on, get my, my camera on, on the telescope onto the moon and just see what kind of detail I can come up with, you know. And those are on my way to the house now. So they're being shipped. They should be here in a couple of days. So, so 
I'm looking forward to that part. Yeah, that's going to look amazing. All right, Chris, let's hear about what kind of gear you've been using. Well, I uh, I bought a uh, Celestron Nexstar 90 SLT. It's just a three and a half inch scope, but I have a um, little bracket that I ordered. I think it's like an Orion. It's an Orion. I can't remember what it is, but uh, it's pretty heavy, like little bracket that you clip onto the back of the eyepiece or or whatever, and uh, you can slip your smartphone or pretty much any camera phone can fit in there. Basically, it, it adjusts size, but uh, once you figure out uh, how to steadily align that properly without losing your fucking mind. Uh, <laughs> you can get some pretty awesome shots of the moon, including uh, a lunar wave, apparently. So, uh, but yeah, it's everyone's got like half my setup in their pocket right now. I mean, you just need the scope, and you can find some really cheap scopes. I mean, th- that one that I got is like three fifty, maybe on Amazon. You can probably find it cheaper. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's like I. I literally did not look into any telescopes at all. I just I saw how compact it was. I was like, I want I wanted to be like mobile. I want to be able to like pick it up and go, or else I'll just like look at it and be like, no, it's you know like if I I'm afraid if I get a big uh, big scope, you know, I'm just gonna like have it sitting off into the corner. So I figure if it's compact enough where I can just scoop it all up, like I can literally carry everything in like two hands, like and be ready to rock. Like, I got a power supply uh, kit that basically, like, jumpstarts your, like, battery, like, uh, your car battery. That's what I use to, like, uh, power the scope with. And you can buy an adapter for that online as well. And uh, I also got a... Um, well, I also bought one of the Celestron, like, little lens kits, which isn't, like... Uh, it wasn't too bad, but I was mainly just wanted a Barlow, but it seemed, like, cheaper just to buy the kit with the Barlow in it and then, to be honest, I don't even use it. Don't even use the Barlow. I, I use, like, I always use the same lenses. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have the money to drop on just, like, a, a scope with, like, a motorized control on it, like, I'd say say do it. Because, I mean, I just stream, like, one or two hours a night just until my phone dies and then I go to bed, you know what I mean, and charge my phone. And, that's, and then YouTube saves it for me, and that's that's it. And, if you know... If you want, you can review it later. Uh, I usually, like, review my videos sometimes just, like, as I'm going to bed or something just to make sure, like, it recorded. Or, you know, like, sometimes, like, uh, just because it's mobile, like, sometimes my Wi-Fi will drop in and out. Or, like, so, like, sometimes maybe my signal will just be a little wonky. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Well, I think there's a critical thing about Chris's footage for years now. I've been telling people that even a small scope will give you beautiful views of the moon. And people should know what it comes down to is the larger the aperture of your telescope, um, the more magnification power you're going to have. But if you're shooting for the lunar wave, um, you know, you don't need to magnify anything three, four or five hundred times because you're trying to full frame the moon. And while you will get a bit clearer image because you're collecting more light, even a 90 millimeter or 3.5 inch scope. uh, I mean, go go look at Chris Parker's footage on YouTube. He's zoomed in a bit. but you can see, you can't tell that that's a small scope he's looking at. Now, when you begin to edit and do other things with your footage, uh, clearly the larger scopes give you a clearer view. And with Randy's 4K, yeah. you know, when someone finally shoots a lunar wave in 4K, if they have a monitor that will support that resolution, I mean, there's no telling what we'll be able to see. Particularly, um, you know, Randy shot one where the whole moon is pulsing, which he talked about. And I ran find edge filters 
on that footage. I mean, it's incredible. The whole moon begins to pulsate right before the wave happens. And uh, to date, I think that's the longest interval between waves, too, uh, 40 seconds yeah. or something. But anyhow, I just yeah. wanted to mention that even a 3.5-inch scope for lunar work, it'll get the job done. And yeah. I was kind of surprised to see that he did it with a, a smartphone. But there it is, man. Well, this is yeah. interesting. That's incredible. What, what we've discovered, uh, even at this point, is that the lunar waves have not been identical. And the the gear has been completely different, but you've all captured it. Now, of course, they have similarities, but uh, their timing and the way they come across looking, uh, you know, in the video afterwards is definitely different, although they have similarities enough that we recognize it as the lunar wave. Right. I mean, you know, not too long ago, I put up a video finally where I said, I think it's likely space is water or liquid. Um, if that has a bearing on lunar waves in some way... Uh, maybe it's a bit like being at the beach, you know, sit on the beach and see how many waves lapping up on the sand look the same. Um, that That's maybe a weak analogy, but I think you can see where I'm going. Well, conjecturing off of what you're, you're saying there about it being liquid, um, if it's light, a light source coming through liquid and the liquid is moving in some way, shape or form, of course, it's going to look different every time. Yeah, I mean, it stands yeah. to reason, even even if the image we're seeing is on the surface of a liquid membrane or who knows, um, I, I just, I'm not sure. I can tell you that I don't accept that the, the moon is a rock in orbit, um, and I can tell you that I'm reasonably sure space is liquid, um, but, you know, put, putting much more behind it at this point with these kind of very new ideas that we're discovering, um, we just need more time, more evidence, more filming, that kind of thing. Now, Crow, I'd like, actually like to hear more about that. What has convinced you to a fair degree that space is liquid? Well, um, I mean, it's any number of things, and, and a very small portion of it actually has to do with telescope work. Um, you know, maybe a year or so after I realized what the lunar wave footage represented, I was already thinking about this idea. I had studied uh, religions, uh, very seriously, actually. In Christianity, I studied the Bible back to original languages, um, Greek, Latin, uh, Aramaic in some cases, even read versions uh, like the Lamsa Bible, which was written by a man who supposedly spoke Aramaic from a tribe in that area. Um, I did the same thing with Buddhism. I've studied a number of languages, and one thing in common with many of the major religions is the idea that space is water. But even that, um, I had done some work with my telescope where I was taking objects out of focus, um, stars, very bright stars or planets, um, so-called planets, and what you get is a liquid pattern. It almost looks like the same pattern you get if a, you look into a swimming pool that's lit at night and someone disturbs the water a little bit. That's the pattern you get. But what really sealed it for me was the research I did that had nothing to do with nighttime observation, telescopes, and cameras. And that was namely what was being encoded in our media, in our movies, in our television, in, you know, the JFK speech about going to the moon, uh, and in language, heavily in language. And uh, at one point, I took apart the JFK speech where he's basically stating we set sail on this new sea. I mean, that's the language he's using. And this is just one of, I mean, literally thousands of examples that I had stumbled on over the years. And then when I went back to the telescope, reviewing all the work I'd done there, um, I couldn't hold it to myself anymore. So basically, I'd say about 25% of that statement came from direct observation and about 75% 
from ancillary research that had nothing to do with telescopes. Interesting. I'm sorry, Randy, I think we cut you off. You wanted to contribute something there. <laughs> well, I've got something to say all along the way here, So, but I want to. I just want to throw this in. You know, i got to commend and uh, throw a little kudos to, to Crow here. He speaks things that a lot of people are thinking, but are just terrified to say or even mention to anybody. Uh, for so long, I have looked at the, at the sky, and of course, you know, knowing the Bible and knowing the different texts and things, similar to what Crow has done, uh, you realize that it's talked about water all the time. It's, it's the firmament, you know, the water separated from the waters. Often I look at the moon, and, and you just can't look up there and say, oh, it's just a rock in space. But when you look at it under a telescope in very clear definition, and you watch these videos, and you just see that moon just pulsating, well, they say, well, that's just the heat in the upper atmosphere. Is it? Is it really just heat? Or is it the something in between us up there in that space, in that area up there, that we're actually seeing the moon through maybe a liquid? It may not be a liquid like we think, a river or something like that, but it's perfectly crystal clear fluid of some sort. Because sometimes when I look at the moon, I, I'm like, man, it does. It's like you're looking down into a swimming pool and just kind of seeing something underneath there and just... It's just the surface of whatever that object is. It's just kind of fluttering. It looks like a heat wave. But is it really a heat wave? That's what we're taught. That's what we're made to believe. But this is a whole new area of, of study and, and research. Who knows until we're able to get up there ourselves. It's hard to tell because, you know, some of these agencies are not going to tell you exactly what they find. You know, that's their own little secret. And I think they found a lot of things they just ain't telling us either. But, you know, my thoughts are is, is there's something liquid there and, and Crow speaking out about it. Dude, I, my hat's off to you, man, for, for speaking up. Because when you opened up and said that, it's like, wow, I knew that. I knew that. But I was just a little bit scared to say something, you know, just like a lot of us are. But hand, hats off to you, Crow, for that one, man. That's good. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I think it's safe to say, if uh, without putting any solid definitions on anything here, that if not all, a lot of the material we have in the general public seen from government space agencies has been falsified in some way, shape, or form. I think that's a pretty accurate statement, wouldn't you say, gentlemen? Yes. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I mean, to the, to, if you look at the things that are being challenged now, as a matter of fact, you know, shortly after I did the space is likely water video, um, the community that, you know, made the most of it was the flat earth community. But when you yeah. look at, at that community and what they're challenging, if any small portion of what's being challenged ends up being true, it not only means that the people in charge have lied about things, it means they've lied about everything. everything. It, it means yeah. that they have drawn a picture and showed it to everyone and told them it was red when all this time the picture was blue. I mean, it's like that blatant, where it doesn't yeah. even resemble the reality. Um, so it's something to think about. Now, Chris, did you have any thoughts you wanted to add in the, on the uh, topic here? I was going to say the, the whole uh, the water being space thing and the whole uh, flat Earth really loving this uh, firmament thing. Uh, it It is pretty crazy when you're like, okay, 
this is like where you have the when you first capture a lunar wave, it's like the weirdest thing. Like I first off never thought I'd capture one, but like once once it happens, you're like you, you start like trying to piece together like okay how did how where did this and where did this come from? You know, like you, like I'm you just can't piece it together. So you, you start you know catch a little tell and like little hints of like these other stories and like kind of fitting all these things together. And it's just like, uh, I mean this whole firmament thing, it, it kind of rings pretty, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say true, but like it, it's pretty, pretty spooky stuff when you, when you see it. I mean, especially the yeah. wave that I got, like it's, I mean, it literally looks like, like a wave, like over top, you know, like it looks pretty nuts. And a just, wave. Yeah, just seeing people how how they're kind of reacting to it, it's kind of uh, I don't know. It's yet more video proof, kind of like towards it's plus one flat Earth. You know what I mean? Globe Earth zero. Well, and this kind of leads me into the next question: What has the reaction been that you've received since everyone has published their findings publicly, um, mostly on YouTube? I would I would uh, think. Um, Crow, let's start with you. What has the reaction been since you've been dealing with this the longest since 2012? How have people reacted to it? You know, what does everyone think? It's a funny thing because it was like one of the earliest clips up. You got to realize that I had all kinds of strange objects footage, the lunar wave footage from 2012, almost a year before I made my, my YouTube channel and I finally posted it. But before I had very many followers at all, I was getting contacted, like I got some contacts from uh, observatories and other kind of official science places that stopped in, not to really be rude, but to tell me that I shouldn't call myself an am- amateur astronomy, that I didn't know anything about science, and, you know, like that, just kind of, who the heck do you think you are spout- spouting gibberish like this? You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, then what happened was the community attacked me for a year and a half because there were no other examples of the wave. But during that time, they were saying it's clearly your equipment when the evidence showed it couldn't be equipment. Finally, when I caught it again, I thought, well, this will, you know, stop some people from hollering at me. And then it became, well, this proves that you're faking it. Finally, when other people began to film it, um, the argument changed to, well, this doesn't mean anything until two cameras do it at the same time. Um, and, and so that's kind of how this has gone. But I would point out that from the earliest time I shot that wave, somehow instinctually I understood that it was likely connected to the equinoxes. And now when we look back at the captures, the vast majority of them have been shot at the spring equinox. The best example was shot at the fall equinox. We have a couple close to the summer solstice and nothing really in the winter time. Um But there have been moments like that where what I consider human learning, not remembering, not, you know, memorizing things and regurgitating it and calling that learning. What I call human learning is is kind of like when an adult hears a child lie and you don't hear the ring of truth and you know it's a lie. That's adult learning in a way. I don't know how to describe it, but that's kind of the point I have reached where you get these intuitive ideas that don't go away, and then as time goes on, things happen that tend to back them up. Um, but anyhow, I've, I've wandered so far, I forget what you, you asked me in the first place, Jason. <laughs> Reactions to the Lunar Wave publishings. So, I, I mean, at this point, uh, it's been 
almost like a 360. I went from initially posting it, I had the footage for a year, posted it, and it was like a shooting gallery on my channel for a long time. And now it's kind of like a worldwide word. There's very few people who haven't heard of the lunar wave. And while you know people will argue about what it is, um, the reaction has been acceptance now. Uh, what's not being accepted is the ideas of what might be going on. I think that's where the argument lies right now, where people get upset that uh, what's been filmed may challenge their worldview. Not not tons of people, I would add. Lots of people have said, wow, what is this? And they're accepting the idea. Well, it's, it's, it's good if they're at least being open-minded that, hey, this is something we've never seen before, and we need to ask the questions of what's going on here. Right. That's kind of where we're at. Well, uh, of course, I didn't put mine out on YouTube or anything like that because I, I tend to work a lot and just stay busy with that. And But what I've shared with people just off my phone because it is such a unique thing. And, of course, Crow took the information. I said, look, dude, if you want to use it, put it on your channel, use it as you please. You're more well-versed about this than I ever was. And, and so he's used it in some of his videos and things. But I have showed people just, you know, when I'm working or just – of friends hanging around. I said, dude, I got to show you something. I said, what do you think of this? And they look at it and they think, what is that? And then they, they said, play that again, play it again. They, they watch it several times. I said, this is a phenomenon that we don't really know what it is. I said, there's like, at the time, it was like seven of us that had caught it. I caught it twice and other people's caught it four or five, six times. We don't know what it is, but this kind of called the lunar wave. And they're like, well, let me see it again. They look at it over and over, and they're just dumbfounded because now they have something that just has just rocked their world. It just kind of tore up their little paradigm the way they thought that the world was. I said, do you think what we've been told, the moon and this place that we live on, is what they say it is? And then they stop for a second, and then you could just see the gears turning and but for the most part, I've had good response on it. People just, you know, they don't know what it is. Some people literally get scared. When they see stuff like that, they literally get scared. And one guy, the one person that I had that had seen some of my videos, he started making fun of me in front of a group of people. And uh, I just let him go for a little while. And I said, why are you scared? And he stopped for a moment. He said, well, dude, it just bothers me, you know. That's why you didn't have to attack me because you're scared. Open your mind. Just understand that there's there's more to this place that we live on than what we've been told. I said the moon is another thing. The moon ain't what it is, what they say it is. You know, It's something somewhat different. But for me, I haven't had the uh, onslaught of people like attacking crow and different things like that. But now more and more people are, are getting on board with this and, and actually getting their cameras out and get well, like, Chris, he's got his, his cell phone out. Geez, that's about as awesome as you could get right there, you know? It just goes to show you, you don't have to have thousands of dollars worth of stuff to do this. And to catch it purposely or by accident, it doesn't matter. As long as you catch it and you can show it and have the bragging rights, I guess, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's, it's fun. It really is, you know? How about you, Chris? What, uh, what reactions have you had so far, even though it's only been about two weeks? Uh, a lot of a lot of positive energy coming at me, but uh, you know it's, it's YouTube, so you got you got the whole world coming, in, so you can't filter out everybody. But I, I mean, so far, like uh, 
I've been trying to respond to like mostly you know the comments that I've I've been getting, which has been like I said a lot of positive stuff. But I've been getting some like you know you hoax this shit like just ones like bro. It's like come on, dude. It was live. You know what I mean? Like it was happening. Anyways, uh, but I kind of uh, invited like one of these people who basically made a how to hoax a lunar wave video, and I was like, bro, come out to the stream. I'm streaming right now. Watch me stream. Come hang out. And so he came in. Like I watched his video, and basically it was the same thing. Crow, me and you uh, spoke uh, when we spoke on the phone. I kind of explained to you like some of like those hoax videos that I right. how I've thought somebody might have you know passed one off and uh, basically he's showing you basically that same thing and I'm like the more people know what a shitty wave looks like like a shitty hoaxed wave the better because and, and so far it's like in this community like you've kind of seen enough where you're like oh, that's horseshit you know what I mean but like yeah, you could spot them pretty. Quick. Yeah, you can tell it, it looks. It's too looks surgical. Weird. It's not organic. Right, yeah. yeah. And then I like have like other people, but I think this is like a great idea for you to do. Maybe just like do a compilation of the best of hoaxed waves. So just to put it out there, I was like, we like don't waste your time anymore. Now it's like time to press on. But uh, I also had this uh, person like saying I was shooting it off of fucking. Re- reflection of a mirror or some on a puddle or some horse. I was like, dude, what the, f-? like, that doesn't even make any <laughs> sense, dude. You need to get a telescope. I'm telling you that. Right. I mean, Chris, for your, ca- yeah, Chris, for your capture, there's a couple things. Um, first of all, uh, what got me was you told me that there was a live stream when you caught that and that there were two people in the chat watching the live stream. That's yeah. pretty solid evidence yeah. Uh, yeah. the second thing is is there's clouds uh in the footage going from left to right as mm-hmm. the wave is going top or bottom to top diagonally right to left so opposite the clouds um those things put together um i, I mean we this is the problem there are people out there faking these waves with software yeah. um, i have not seen one yet that i did not know within the first few frames that i was looking at a software fake um, but that's not to say we live in an age where damn near with the right tools, anything can be faked. This is right. part of the reason I stopped vetting it, but I'm not worried. If these lunar waves are anything that matters, they don't need me or anyone else. It's the cats out of the bag. You know, people are looking. Yeah. But anyhow, sorry, yeah. back back over to you. Yeah, but but you're right. Like he, he spent like uh, it was like a five minute video, but it was all like double speed showing you how to like fake a wave. But it's like. So that probably took, you know, maybe 10 minutes in real time. Like, come come at me when you can do it live. Do you know what I mean? Figure it out. I mean, that's, I mean, otherwise you're just wasting your time. Like, so much effort going into, like, how this thing is. Anyways. Now, I'm, I'm curious, what shows up in the, the faked ones, the ones that we know are faked? How does it differ from the real thing that we, what we assume is the real thing? So, like, if you, like, take a... Uh, like a circle, like if you're probably using like an like an LED monitor, right? So like, probably got the little jaggies. You like draw a circle on your screen. You got the little jagged edges around the screen, and those kind of like align horizontally with the uh, the pixels on your screen. And so like, when you take the image and you uh, take it into like a video editor or like a photo editor or something, and you take the image and you like 
rotate it like a couple degrees, it'll like uh, the image has to like refresh itself, but they'll line up. It has to like refresh digitally, like uh, diagonally rather, and uh, so it kind of like sorts it back out. It's kind of like a kind of like a refresh wave, like a vertical sync. Like if you play video games and you get like that screen tearing shit, like when you're like poning some noobs, you like turn on vertical sync and it like lines everything back up for you. It's kind of like that's what it kind of is doing, but you're like doing it on purpose, basically. Right, but it's it's not organic. I mean, it's night and day because yeah, it's, it looks weird, yeah. Right? Well, I, I'm not going to tell. I'm not even going to say on the air the reasons that make it so evident, uh, um, because people with software and enough times on their hands will start to figure out how to fake other elements. Safe to say, Crow, that it does look fake though in comparison to the to the other ones, to so the real captures. Yeah, I, I have not seen one yet where I wasn't instantly – as a matter of fact, it's a bit like the human learning I was talking about. Um, even before I'm pushing play, I start to get that pang where there's no ring of truth in this. And then I wait for the evidence to come before me. Um, right. and pretty quickly, I, I confirm that um, my intuition had told me this is not right. And a lot of times there's comments or other things that might be around a certain piece of footage. But – this is the thing. I'm not going to be the guy anymore. You know, I'm not going to be the guy who gives the stamp of approval. Um, you know, I was that guy when I was trying to tell the world, look, I'm not faking this. Other people can film this. Um, so, yeah, I stepped up very quickly when other people produce footage to say, see, um, but we're way beyond that now. So, um, look, everyone knows what the lunar wave is who's kind of remotely aware of the night sky and if anything we have done or theorized is correct it's not going away and not only that i cannot tell you how many probably hundreds many hundreds of people have come to my channel and said crow i dusted off my telescope i bought a used telescope i bought a new telescope uh, all the channels that have popped up over time of people who saw the wave footage and went out to to challenge the idea. Some of them just to to prove if it's even the wave the wave is real. Other ones because they wanted to do it themselves. Um, it's many, many. I mean, maybe even many thousands. I don't know at this point. People have contacted me saying you should contact Celestron because you're always pointing people to buy their telescopes. Dude. I think I sent you a message like that a long time ago. I've gotten so many of those messages. I I don't know, you know, and the truth is I doubt if a company like Celestron wants anything to do with a person Uh, like me. (laughs) How how about this, guys? If you sit there and observe a duck on a pond long enough, you're going to know it's a duck swimming around, right? (laughs) If you try to fake it, you're going to go like, that ain't a real duck, you know? The same thing here. You sit there and you watch the moon for hours and hours and hours. You get you get pretty familiar with all the little craters and all the different little things about the moon and what it's doing and how it's vibrating and and the pulsatings and stuff like that. It, you just get used to it. And of course, when you see a fake video, you go, whatever. You know, it, it just shows up right quick because you cannot you cannot fake organic. You just can't do it. Well, there's there's another side of this. It's you know, imagine being the person who decides one day you're going to sit down to because you've got some video editing skill um, that you're going to produce fake waves. How how kind of counterproductive an idea is that? It's almost like I can't contribute anything that matters, so I'm going to do this. And the reason I say that is because while up to this point, it's pretty easy to spot the fakes. Um, at some point, it may not be so easy, and those 
fakes will be leveraged to try to do damage to the idea that the lunar wave is an important thing to research. Um, but there's not just one person that's done this. There's been a few. And what's so funny is some of them have kind of, you know, you go look at the comments and it's, oh, Crow's going to be so upset when he when he sees this. This kind of counterproductive attitude that people uh, kind of adopt when they get into this. But mm-hmm. I thought I'd throw that nickel against the wall. Yeah, yeah, like why would you – you could literally – it would probably take you less time to go out and actually shoot a <laughs> real lunar wave than to fucking pick up like a, a fucking like editing program, learn it. And then, you know what I mean? And then get the footage, like, just go out and shoot it. Like, I don't, it's so weird. What you're saying is instead of trying to fake it, just why don't you challenge yourself to uh, capture it instead of trying to create something that's, that's you know, you know is bullshit. Well, what's funny is some of the earliest fakes came from, and I'm not even going to mention anything about them because they don't deserve the airtime, from people who had some serious video skills. I mean, serious. I saw some of the things they were producing. But what they did is took my 2012 footage, loaded it into After Effects, and then made a clip making it appear as if they had replicated the 2012 footage in After Effects when all they'd done was taken the original footage and loaded it into the program. And right out the gate, that kind of told me that for the people that want to fake this, I knew the people who were doing this had serious skills it's not going to be so easy to fake, and mm-hmm. but you know the sad truth is, um, technology is only getting better every day. And of course, if you have a person who's maybe working for Hollywood, you know, doing video skin, you know, they could probably replicate just about anything. So that's the shame of it all is yeah. that yeah. you know at some point it may damage the actual idea that the lunar wave is an important thing, even though we can't tell you exactly what it is. Um, I've stated what I think likely might be going on, but truth is people need to get out and film. More people need to get involved. People just need to observe and, and take this further down the road independent of, of me or anyone else. Totally agree with that. Uh, my next question for you, and anyone can kind of jump in here as they like, since there's this wide world of the Internet out there, what are the current theories floating around about what the lunar wave might actually be? Is there anything... Uh, any theories that are getting gaining more traction, more people are leaning towards this or that. I'd, I'd really be curious, especially for people who are new to this, to just kind of hear what people are thinking. Well, I, I can jump in. Um, I think the, the one that has hung up the most people who truly are interested is the idea that planes are doing this. And that began with a guy who I actually Skyped with who said in a Skype conversation with me that it was not possible that planes were doing this. But anyhow... Um, some other channels started to push this idea. Even they, they sat at an airport one night. Uh, I don't know. I think it's in Germany or somewhere. I forget where. Um, filming planes transiting the moon. And they titled the video, This is What Causes the Lunar Waves. But it doesn't look anything like any lunar, you know, there's yeah. no definition. There's no, you know, it's, it lacks all the, the touch points that we expect to see in lunar wave footage. Um, that's the kind of one that has stuck the hardest, I think, and, and hung up the most people who would otherwise keep looking into it. Uh, and the real shame of it is, is there is no airplane footage that is even in the same building, even in the same neighborhood as yeah. real lunar wave footage. But the real shame is with all these people that have filmed it, what that basically is saying is that all those people lied. Because when you're sitting out there with a telescope on the moon for endless hours, 
you get yeah. bored. And when you hear or see a plane coming, you get you yeah. everything you can to try to capture that footage. So at least you can shoot something that night. Right. Because you may shoot a month and get nothing. So you can hear a plane coming long before it gets there. You can see it coming. Since you always try to film near a full moon, you have very good visibility at night with a full moon. That idea that a plane is doing this is basically almost like accusing every person that's filmed it that they're lying because a plane came by and they didn't admit that that happened. Um, which isn't to say so many of the, the clips have the audio running, you know, and you'd be able to hear it. And then, of course, there's the idea that there's cloaked planes that you can't hear. <laughs> but point is, is on my channel, I have a good five or six jets of all different sizes actually transiting the moon from my point of view. And I've never seen anything that is even remotely like a real lunar wave and that includes all the other footage that i've seen from around the world so that's yeah. that's what i would say and, and we would be filming lunar waves all goddamn night because i mean i right. have planes constantly flying by like last night i was i don't know i was just antsy so i went outside it was kind of getting kind of foggy but that's all i had was like planes i was like oh here comes plane basically i was Wanted to get a satellite shot, but it was just like there's nothing else, and Mars just looks so lame in my scope. You know what I mean? Like especially if there's any kind of moisture in the air, it just kind of looks like it just looks like this distorted dot. Yeah. So like, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, like like you said, man, like you get bored while you're out there. If you see something whizzing through the air, you're gonna yeah, you're gonna aim at it. Well, not only that, when you're shooting through a telescope to get a plane transiting the moon is is an interesting shot. But not only that, even if it doesn't transit, you do get the jet wash. So even that is an interesting shot. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, too. And with the jet wash passing by, I've seen some of the videos that you're talking about where the jets pass by. There is a depth perception at that point. So you can clearly see that the jet wash is far closer to you than yes. what the lunar wave is. The lunar wave, when you're looking at, especially when you've got some decent equipment, you can get down in Chris's videos also. You can literally see it. It's like how close it is to the moon. It might be right on the surface. It might be a couple thousand feet up. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. But you can see it's closer to the moon than what jet wash is. Well, there's, a, there's another aspect of that. Even if we just go back to the very first 2012 footage, we have a lunar wave that starts at the bottom, which is not quite level with the frame that goes from bottom to top. We have an energy pulse that starts in the lower left limb of the moon that goes kind of diagonally lower left, upper right. Then we have an energy sweep, which almost goes level to the frame left to right. So there's no possible way. And not only that, Randy's footage where the whole moon begins to pulse, there's no wave that comes in. Just the whole thing begins to pulsate. Um, These couldn't be created by an object moving in a single direction. Um, In the 2012 footage, you would need three objects traveling in three different directions to to create all that movement. And in Randy's footage, there's just no way around it because if a jet wash comes, you see it creep into the frame. Um, but like he said, uh, on a well-lit full moon night, you have the perception of depth and you can tell that the waves are much closer to you. Well, you know, another thing too, jet wash, those trails behind a jet is literally washed out. Yep. The lunar wave is a very fine and distinctive yeah. line. Defined. Definitely yeah, carries. Very defined. Interesting. Uh, 
Gentlemen, based off of everything that we've uh, gone through so far, does anyone have a conjecture on what might be discovered next? Um, wow. in, in In terms of, are we talking directly about the moon here? Well, the moon, and actually I kind of like to broaden this a little bit. Has anything else been captured uh, in the sky that is along the lines of the lunar wave, like anything unusual about any of the other stars or planets that you see, has there ever been anything that could even be remotely associated with the distortion that the lunar wave is? And if so, what is it? And second of all, what would be the next step here? And I'm, from my two cents, I would say it's probably going to be when the technological jump happens here with the 4K cameras and more people with a decent scope can get some serious footage because... Uh, just a little bit. I've learned about cameras recently. Um, y y the amount of data that's being captured on something like a 4K lens um, is just so much more than the 1080p. So I'd be very curious what you could pull from that. Well, me I, I mean, sky's here. the limit. Go ahead, Randy. Yeah, let me jump in here just for a second on that one. Uh, talking about the 4K. Now, I've got a 2X converter on the end of my uh, uh, 4K camera. And I set it up on a, just a tripod, and I'll zoom in on Jupiter. I'll zoom in, and as you're looking at it, now, it's hard to tell because you start going from just your regular uh, uh, zoom into optical zoom just a little bit. And, of course, it gets a little pixelated on some of it. But in that video, if you look really close, you can see, I'm not going to call it a wave. It almost looks like a, I call it a worm. My wife said it looks like an explosion on Jupiter, but you can see this this squiggly uh, line or the squiggly thing come across and go back, like go across and go into it. it you got to look very, very close to see it, but it's there. So I'm really curious once I get this hooked up to my telescope where I can really get some good definition and bring it in a little bit closer without using the optical zoom. Uh, I believe I might be able to see something a little different on there. So. Uh, yes, these cameras pick up stuff that you just won't believe. It, it, it's it's going to, I think, maybe be a game changer here. That's what I'm thinking. I, I just think the amount of detail is so much more, uh, there's just so much more there that people who want to pick it apart are going to have a lot more to work with. Let, let me throw a couple things out there. Um, chemtrails, for those people who are not so damn sleepy that they understand that chemtrails are real, You've got to realize that with the level of spraying all around this world that we see, um, up in the ionosphere, you've got to imagine that it's just <clears throat> full of the particles that get sprayed over and over and over. Um, I've always wondered if part of what's going on is to begin to obscure our view because look what's happened. We've come to a point where people are talking about space pop possibly being liquid. Uh, people by the tons saying the moon landing never happened. Um, the yeah. lunar wave idea. But not only that, chemtrails absolutely are being used to block sunrises and sunsets. Um, as a matter of fact, almost anything that goes on the horizon at these times. And I've often wondered if something we can detect at that time is being covered up. And there have been lots of reports of double suns and people say Nibiru, which I don't accept and all these other things. But I have filmed a reflection of the sun. My point being... It could be that one of the things we see chemtrails doing is trying to block a view of something we're going to be able to see, 
And who knows whether it's just a time cycle thing, whether there's a change of some sort, whether, like you're saying, 4K cameras are going to open the door. But if I had a 4K camera and my 11-inch scope, um, the first thing I'd be doing is defocus tests on things, and I would be looking for reflections of the sun, and I would be going to a place where I could see the horizon when the moon and sun are going down. Uh, I think it's not long before that is the next big thing that, that tells us something. You feel that uh, with a 4K camera, there's enough uh, information that would be captured that you could do some highly detailed mathematics on, on celestial bodies, basically. Well, I, would, I guess I would use this analogy. The energy pulses in the 2012 wave that we've talked about during this show, uh, I didn't even know about them for something like a year after it was shot, even longer. I think it was actually after I had put it up on YouTube. I don't remember. It was a long time after I had looked at that footage endlessly on my computer that we had the lights off in a room with a 60, I think it was a 60-inch monitor television. Um, and someone said, man, did you see that? And we backed it up. It looked like something cloaked almost going over the lower part of the moon. So I jacked it into the editor and put find edge. And that's how we really discovered that the energy pulses were there. My point would be that was only a 16 megapixel T2i Canon camera and only an eight inch scope. So would I have seen even more right out of the gate had it been 4k on 11 inch scope? You see what I'm getting? Well, at? I, th I think that's without a doubt. You'd be seeing much more of what's you know really there right but here, here's another here's another thing to consider jason have you ever like people should go back and look at the old black and white images of the moon from like nasa or even the the place that preceded nasa um look at those black and white images of the moon how they look so three-dimensional um they look so different than anything i have ever been able to shoot of the moon and it, i begin to wonder um were they shooting something else was it that the sky was so much more clear no chem trailing you know i don't know but just go back and look at the 3d images of the moon where it just looks like it's so three-dimensional that's very interesting. It'd be, um, anybody who's really familiar with this sort of material should take the older uh, NASA footage that's out there and compare it you know, through the decades. What's the same? What's different? Now, I did something along those lines, actually, uh, based off of one of the conversations I had with you, Crow, a few months ago. I was watching NASA footage through the decades of what Earth is supposed to be, like from space. <laughs> yep. And, um, you know, I don't jump into any camp on anything of, of what the, the universe and the world really is, I kind of stay out of it. I, I question everything. And mm -hmm. I'm just, yeah. when, I, when I get more definitive evidence, maybe I'll make up my mind. So, but I'm extremely open-minded and I definitely want to look at whatever evidence I can get my hands on. Well, there's tons of stuff on YouTube I can get my hands on. I looked at what Earth looked like from Mercury and Gemini and Apollo <laughs> and all the way up. And all I can say is, and I can be challenged here by anybody listening to me, that I'm wrong, but it looked to, in my humble opinion, that the Earth looked different on every mission. Well, I mean, yeah. I, all, all I can say is not only does it look different, but look at the descriptions NASA hands us. Um, they're telling you that those are not snapshots. In many of the cases, yeah. it's telemetry. It's from data that was collected. It's an artist's rendering. It's mosaic yeah. from data that was collected. Um, not, you, you have never in your lifetime seen a true snapshot of Earth from space. And in my view, you've never seen a picture of anything taken from space because in my view, nothing can get there. Um, at least the evidence that we 
have at our disposal to look at like moon landings and rocket launches. Um, none of that has ever gone above what we call low Earth orbit. Well, I didn't even do anything as complicated as looking at supposed pictures. I looked at a video that the astronauts supposedly shot or cameras that were supposed to be on the spacecraft, whichever it happened to be. That's all I did. I just looked at the video of, you know, out the window of the craft to Earth, and that looked different. I'm not even talking about, you know, satellite pictures or whatever else uh, right. is put out there for us. And a lot of times they, they blatantly do say composite image. I've seen right. that a zillion exactly. times. But, yeah, I'm talking about just the fact that the Earth itself looked different from space from said astronaut's right. point of view. And that's all I've got to say about that. Like something just, you know, something's not right there. Well, they must have changed their film. That's the answer, right? But I, I would point this out. This is how sleepy we are. Um, recently on the Turner Classic Movies, uh, while I don't watch TV, I monitor that channel um, to record things because on that channel, a lot of things come up that I want to review. They just did a, uh, a night where they had this whole thing about the Apollo missions that was done by who, – who, what's the name of the guy who was in all of the family, the, the bald guy they called Meathead? What's his name? Does anyone know? Uh, Rob Reiner. Yeah, Rob Reiner yeah. was the guy who put this together. And, of course, Brian Eno did the music. But they had two things, and I recorded it. But they're showing video where the moon is in the foreground for the astronauts and the Earth is up there. The first thing – that a person who's not completely comatose would notice is the Earth is roughly four times bigger than the moon, right? So when you and I go out and look at a full moon, if we were on the moon looking at Earth, that thing would be four times bigger. And we don't right. see that in the footage. But the thing that kills me is they have this moving shot where the moon, you can see the Earth slightly moving through the sky, but it's not rotating, and we are told, what's the Earth supposed to to spin at something like 17,000 miles an hour? I don't know what the number is. I just made that up. But it's supposed to be spinning really quickly. And, you know, this is what we've been handed. And it's first, it's astounding that people were made to believe, so seriously believe, that none of that ever entered their minds. But um, when you look at it now, it's hard to imagine that in the modern day where, you know, you don't just see it once on television, we can review this till the cows come home, that every person out there isn't crying foul because all the footage was faked, all of it. I've never seen a piece of footage where within a minute or two, I can't begin to rip it apart. What the most unique thing is, is that all this footage that NASA has taken, they just so happen to lose it. They don't know where it's at. Oh, right. The originals are all gone, of course. How, how convenient. You know, you think <laughs> the biggest much. thing that you've ever accomplished in human recorded history, oh, I lost it. Oh, somebody rewrote over the over tape. <laughs> it's somebody like the water. Right. Oh, that's, that's worse than recording over yeah. your wedding video, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember when that article came out, I was just shaking my head like, you've got to be kidding me. No way. What what about here? What about Buzz Aldrin showing up to sell, you know, a quarter that supposedly went to space? This happens all the time. He shows up and sells something to someone for thousands of dollars that supposedly went to space. I mean, can you imagine is that what an astronaut does? You know, when when Buzz yeah. was back there, yeah. we were told that they had to be the right stuff, the best of the best of the best 10 more times of the best to even be considered to go on these missions. And now here's this guy hawking trinkets that were supposedly in his pocket when he went to the moon. It's, I mean, and the, how, how many millions of dollars per pound did it cost to, right. to rocket up? 
why would you bring a golf club or a golf ball or any on non-essential? Uh, yeah, and play, that's a good point. To me, okay, <laughs> you're on the moon. You better be surviving here, playing golf, well, playing well, hopscotch. On it. Come on. In, in the you know? mo- in the movie, I was just telling you about. Um, mm-hmm. They had all this supposed, you know, astronauts on the moon footage, and the first thing that happens that I'm laughing my butt off is somehow there's a camera outside. The, the lander when Neil Armstrong is going to take the great step for mankind. Um, somehow there's already a camera out there, all right? But it's so crappy, crappy, grainy video. Um, you can't see much. It's just horrible video. But then all of a sudden it gets almost HD quality for all these other clips and missions and stuff. But what you see is these guys bumping their suit. Like, one guy kneels down to pick up this big rock and rolls it up his suit. Another guy is whipping around the little shovel, and they're falling down on the ground. If they poke a pinhole in that suit, they are dead. And yet what we see is they're basically playing rugby out there. Yeah, how about about driving the lunar lander? Oh, yeah. Would, would, (laughs) would Would you drive a dune buggy on Earth where you can actually breathe? Would you drive something like that on a moon that fast and that jumping around? Uh, Dude, I mean, flip over. Uh, look, look what they when do you're on the moon, Mars. man. YOLO. You got to ghost ride the whip <laughs> while you're up there. <laughs> look what they do on Mars, man. You, you got to wait like five days for the stupid Ooh. rover to move ten inches, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and there's no people on that. Well, for all you conspiracy theorists out there, I just want to uh, throw out the fact, since you mentioned Buzz Aldrin, that um, he's a 33rd degree Freemason, whatever that means. Yep. As as are buttloads of the founders of NASA and astronauts, um, it, it never ends. I mean, recently I've done videos ripping apart the supposed ISS, where they're hanging people upside down and hairspraying women's hair straight up. They're doing yeah. all kinds of just ridiculousness. Um, and then, of course, we have the footage uh, shot in pools where they're getting caught. Uh, China got caught doing it, where the bubbles come out of suits and. Of course, with space being liquid, maybe they were actually there, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe <laughs> so. Hey, I want to throw something in here, uh, kind of while we're talking about new discoveries and stuff. You know, we've all seen a lot of fakery when it comes to uh, so-called UFOs, because we really don't know what they are. And uh, Crow has caught some very new, unique things transiting with the moon in a backdrop, uh, transiting the moon across there. I've caught numerous things. I mean, some really great bird shots. And, of course, you can tell a bird when a bird flies by. Yeah. Uh, I've got one particular video. I'll show this to different people. And they literally get scared because now they just realize, they're like, holy crud, what is this? I got one where they had nine disc craft. It passed by so fast, I got it. I was shooting at 60 frames per second. And I got 16 frames. So you can imagine how fast it went by. It was just like a blink, and they were gone. So when I put it back in my computer, I brought it down, and I, and I slow-moed it. And it was still almost faster than what you could see it, but it was nine distinctive discs that flew by. And so since I've gotten this 4K camera, I've been just playing around with it, shooting a lot during the daytime. Well, I'll just set it up, and I'll shoot the sky. And it won't be, but just a few minutes later, you'll see a little dot just tink, Right across the screen, a little dot go across. Well, what I do, instead of me watching hours of video, I stop it, and then I restart it because I don't want the last 15 seconds of what I'm shooting, and I'll bring it inside, and I'll put it on my computer, and then when I go frame by frame, bigger than everything, you get this disc craft that flies by. 
and you can just explode the picture out a little bit, zoom it in, and you can just see it. It's distinct as of every, as everything. It's it's a disc craft flying by, and the skies is swarming with these things. I've caught some cylinder looking things. So. As time is going on, you hear a lot of people talking about, oh, UFOs, this and that. They don't exist. They do exist back and forth, back and forth. You know, well, yeah, these things do exist. And when I show them this video of the nine flying by in formation, now, is it ET? Well, I don't know that, okay? But there is something flying by. And, uh, Chris, when you, you shoot long enough, you're going to catch some really, really cool things, especially when you can slow it down. Yeah. on your computer and just look at it real close because they fly by so fast it just blows your mind but when you slow it down and look at it frame by frame when yes. that matter of fact i got uh, one i shot during the daytime i noticed a little blink of light yeah. in the you know, sky you know what i i i remember you saying this from before and the other day when i was driving i saw one of those little flashes and i was like oh my god yep yep <laughs> well i've got one that I seen a flash on the video. Mm-hmm. I seen a little flash of light, and so I'm like, "Whoa, what was that?" So I backed it up one frame at a time. It was one frame, and this time I was shooting 30 frames per second. Mm-hmm. One frame in 30. Think there was this dot light orb, whatever you want to call it, just bright as everything, right there in the sky, clear blue sky, just as big as everything, sitting right there. I've got uh, somewhere crazy. I have I have objects passing in the opposite directions, you know, from each other. So these things are there. These things are flying around, but they're going so fast. I challenge anybody tomorrow, if you've got a good day, clear outside. I challenge anybody that's listened to this, go out there and take a look at the sky and just kind of stare into one area. What you're going to find is you're going to dart your eyes to the right or the left because your peripheral vision will pick up something. You think, well, I saw something. Well, by the time you look into that spot, Whatever you saw is now downrange so far that it's just it's not there. So you'll see things that'll just like blink, catch your catch your eye, you look, there's nothing there. Right. But you're you're actually seeing these objects flying by. So when you can video it, there's people out there that's got some sort of video camera. Guys, gals, just get your video camera, just shoot the sky <laughs> if you want to play around and see something unique, and, and then get it on your computer where you can see one frame at a time. And you'll see some pretty, pretty cool stuff flying around out there. Yeah, especially shooting in higher frame rate, you can definitely break it down a whole lot quick. Like, because your eyeball only like what renders like twenty four frames a second, and like something you're shooting like, yeah. sixty frames a second. You know what I mean? You can really like, you can really get in there. I, I mean, you can yeah. go higher than that if you're if you want to, you know. Since you're shooting, let's say, 60 frames a second, you should be able to do the math. I'm sure there's a formula you can find real easy on just how fast this thing these objects are going by just how much they're in frame and not in frame that's true i've tried to kind of figure that out but the problem that i have in trying to understand the math on is is that how far away is it if it's closer to me than what i think it is obviously it's going to be passing by really fast across the, the frame of view if it's further away then obviously it's going to be a little bit further i mean a little bit slower would seem to be so Without having a good depth perception of, of, say, like, okay, that light pole in that tree and it flew in between the two, then you could probably say, yeah, that's what it was. But um, I really don't know how high they are. I do know this. I took my camera one day, and uh, I seen a jet flying over at that altitude. So we were talking anywhere from 
30 to, four, say, 40,000 feet. Well, that's how many miles? Four to five miles, maybe six miles, something like that. I haven't even put the math on that one. I zoomed in with this thing, kept zooming in, and I could literally tell you what color that jet was when I zoomed in on it. And I could see the definite, I could see the windows on this plane. So that's how clear this thing is. So now, whenever I shoot the sky, I, I kind of set the focus where it's a manual focus. And hopefully whatever passes by will fly by in that focal range. Because uh, if you put on autofocus, it just tends to go in and out, you know, so it never really focuses on anything because it can't, you know, see anything. Yeah. Uh, unless you get a tree or something in the foreground, then you might. But uh, there's some really cool things that flies around there, around out there, and I know Crow could uh, add a little bit to the, to the <clears> things that we see flying around at night and including daytime because I think he has caught some stuff in the daytime also. Well, this would be a really good extension off of not just capturing the lunar wave, but what other objects are being seen by amateur uh, astrophotographers? What, what's being seen? What's being captured? What do we think they might be? I think the most prevalent thing is these little round black things, um, and sometimes they look almost like they have a kind of magnetic-looking halo around them. Um, they've been filmed all over the place. Randy shot them. I've seen plenty of other people who, who, who have shot them. Uh, the most amazing thing that I've seen transiting the moon, and you've got to realize that anything we're shooting transiting the moon is going to be black because the moon is backlighting it. Right. Um, and so the way a DSLR or most cameras work, regardless, unless it was, you know, a beacon, you know, a lighthouse, it's going to appear uh, black to us for the most part. But the most amazing thing that I have shot is probably what I call the boomerang. But on the night of the supermoon in 2012, I think it was May something, uh, I saw, this is the strange thing. As you film over hours and hours, the moon appears to move through the sky from our point of view. We filmed two to three hours of these little black triangles going up, down, and side to side across the moon. Uh, my brother-in-law saw like five to seven of them in formation, and we, ha we were doing this with an eyepiece. And just so folks know, the view that you get with an eyepiece is way more zoomed in and a much sharper view than when you just put a DSLR and use the telescope as a lens. It's a much, and you're not you're not filming anything, so you're not you're not a slave to resolution. It's your eyeball on a lens that's magnifying something to a per perfect focus. Um, that's the most amazing thing. And uh, to date, I think the thing that's been corroborated the most, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Roundy, is these round black things. And truth is, they don't look like anything we've had to describe to us. Right. No, it is not, and and they're they're extremely fast too. You know, it's not an air it's not an airplane or anything of the sort. Uh, what yeah. they are, I have no idea. Yeah, I've, I've watched a lot of your videos of, of the the transits and stuff, and I've never actually seen anything like that on like uh, like on on like my screen, but like. I swear, like, when I'm setting up sometimes, I'm just kind of, like, you know, poking around with my eyeball, just looking around. Like, I, I, I'm like, God damn, I wish I had... Like, I would see, like, where right. the thing was by, and I'm like, there it was. It's, only, it's only a matter of time. If you keep yeah. at this, you'll film transits. Yeah, oh, and, yeah. And really, that's... I mean, that's kind of, like, the, the thing that I, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to film... I'm going to see some fleets, man. I'm going to see some triangles. I'm going to see some cubes flying around. I'm going to see some... You know what I mean? Like... Because, like you say, you, you stare at the moon for long enough, you're like, 
all right, something, something's got to happen. You know what I mean? Like, just wait. But sometimes you'll get, like, a bat, and you're like, oh, just a bat. Oh, my God. thought that was it. thought that was the big one. Yeah. Well, here, here's the kicker, though, guys. There is one thing that is harder to film than a lunar wave, and that is something that you can identify and that looks like a satellite. <laughs> that's actually yeah, harder, yeah. harder harder to do than filming a lunar wave and filming a lunar wave is no easy task i mean yeah. i've hit the iss or supposedly from, i mean i've used stellarium and i i mean you can see it for a second on my screen right. it looks like a little like a little tie fighter up there but it's like you, you see it for us bouncing around but it just looks like there there is a light weird. there yep. yeah there, there's you, a there's a light. <laughs> and, and actually, the light shows up where it's supposed to be. Um, that's still a head-scratcher, but I, I maintain that there is no space station in a weightless place called space with people on it. Um, but I have seen plenty of footage of people who have managed. And here's the other thing. If you consider that that thing's supposed to be moving at about 17,000 miles an hour, mm-hmm. um, I, I can't start. I have seen more faked ISS footage transiting the moon and just stills from space than probably any other thing. There's all this footage all over where it's like white and, it, and it's perfectly shaped like the ISS. Uh, that's not possible. Um, and actually, right. I, I almost don't want to tell people why because it's faked so often that if I divulge why we know it's faked, then people will start trying to correct for it. Yeah, I, but I, the other I think thing I know is, where you're getting at with that. Yeah, the other thing is, if you look, like NASA will claim they've got footage of the ISS coming across the face of the moon doing a transit and that mm-hmm. they ran a high frame rate camera, it crosses the face of a full moon in less than a second. Less yeah. than a second. So if you consider what that means, all these people producing these nice, sharp, still images, how the hell did they do that? A zoomed-in still image on an object moving that fast is nearly impossible. Well, yeah, and, and trying to zoom in and focus right. at the same time, and you're not going to do it. Yep, you're yeah, not exactly. Do it. And not only that, it's it's going to be black. And, and that's yeah. the classic ET shot. You know what I mean? I mean, right. That that little transit of it, like kind of like arcing across the moon, like a little boy riding his bike. Like, I don't know. Just that whole. Uh, I, Here, I know. Here's, the, here's the funny thing, man. I had a Mead 12-inch scope that I was so excited to get because, you know, the Mead I had from the 90s is just <laughs> the greatest scope. I had not realized that Mead scopes had gone to hell in a handbasket, so I got this 12-inch, which ultimately failed four times and I got rid of. But it had this function where you could tell it to sound an alarm a minute before a satellite's going to be in my view, then go track it. And I thought, wow, I'm going to use this. Um, but unfortunately, the scope kept failing because I was going to give I was going to give that thing a workout. It never happened. Awesome. Never happened. Well, I, I'm going to throw a, a curveball on a lot of people on this one here, and I think I discussed this with you briefly, uh, Crow, about the uh, ISS. Um, on my phone, I got an app that tells you when it's coming, and it'll give me a warning. I got it set up for like ten minutes in advance. Well, I seen that it was coming, so I said, well, I'll go out there and take a look at it. It's, it's way out there. But the circle that they put around it and then the circle where I'm at were overlapping just a little bit. So it was kind of like indicating that I could possibly see it. So I'm watching. I'm looking toward the northwest, and the ISS was coming across. And sure enough, the pointer on my phone was just, it was just tracking. And, of course, I could see it going right across it just across the sky you know i'm like that's it and i watched it you know and i right. thought well if it's an airplane uh you know 
it's not going to track an airplane. It, it was it was saying it was the ISS. So I come in, so I'm like, I wonder how far really it was. Now, this thing was flying over Kansas City. I'm like, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. This is, this is not right. We live on a ball, so they say, and I'm seeing something that's around the other side over Kansas City. How, how could that be? How could I see that far? But on that app, you can see where the two circles, in other words, there's a circle where the ISS flying and where Houston's at, they were overlapping, so I should have been able to see it, which I did. And so with the calculations, rough calculations I've got, it should have been 140-something miles around the curvature of this place, and it wasn't. So is that little bit of an indication that we live more on a plane than we do a globe, you know? But I thought it was really unique. And so anybody out there that has that same app on their phone, try it out and, and then go back on your computer and look at a map, a Google map, and, and see exactly where it passed. And you'll see it. Sometimes it'll pass right over you, but a lot of times it's hundreds of miles away from you. And you literally can see it. I don't. I didn't think I should have been able to see it, but I thought that was a pretty cool right. thing that happened. And you it, know? it is very slow when it... Uh... When I, before I actually caught the ISS, I caught uh, just some a couple other satellites on Stellarium, and like these ones would just be like whipping through the sky and like super fast. And then like the I was like, all right, ISS get ten minutes, and I'm like counting down, getting ready. And then like when like it's, I mean when it's, when it comes, it doesn't look like it's booking like the other ones. It's like like it was very slow mo, and it was just like. I mean, I, I had it in a frame, like, or I was at least tracking it for as long as I could for probably maybe like two minutes, maybe. But like, it was like, I don't know, very slow moving to the one uh, to, to the night previously. Like, it was just this this one that came like from uh, north to south, I guess, just whipping through. But I, someone told me that like uh, satellites apparently move. North to south, if they're military base, and like east to west, if they're or uh, yeah, commercial base. Is that is well? That there's the, that's uh, that's another funny thing. Early on, when I was doing this, there was all kinds of wives' tales that satellites right. didn't fly in this direction, that direction. Then I, I was actually at a MUFON meeting early on before I learned what MUFON was all about to show my footage. And someone told me that they had to travel in a certain direction because of the energy it takes to get them in that orbit. And then pretty soon, you know, I was producing footage north to south, south to north, east to west, west to, you know, every direction, catty corner mm -hmm. to that. Um, and even to this day, if you go online and look up and try to figure out exactly what the rules of what orbit a satellite should be, um, I don't think you can really nail it down. It seems like they're claiming they could be any which yeah. way. But the right. funny thing is, is if you were on a ball spinning, that pretty much does mean that to insert a satellite into a certain orbit would take a hell of a lot more energy, wouldn't it? Well, sure. And go look at the flight path of the ISS. It's not just going straight around right. and around and around. It's zigzagging up. Yeah. It goes up and down, zigzag. Now, wait a minute. How does that? How does it change course like that? Now, we're not talking, you know, you know, over a whole distance. It's making a big arc. We're talking it'll go from the top of the United States, go to the South America, and make a, a nice sweeping turn within a few hundred miles and start heading back up. 
do they have some sort of propulsion system that makes them go zigzag across <laughs> the thing? Yeah, they, they uh, have to because those micrometeorites that are so deadly up there. I mean, we all saw the movie yeah. Gravity. Clearly, <laughs> clearly the they're satellites. dodging micrometeorites. <laughs> now, the dodging satellites, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thousands of them. Now, what we're talking about here is we're pretty much challenging the general consensus worldview that we're all taught in school, at least in Western society. Has anyone experienced any kind of interference from, say, a government institution or an outside source, we can say, generally? Tories, uh, I was... You know, direct interference, no, but there have been plenty of contacts where they weren't very polite. They weren't really mean. They were just basically belittling for the most part. But when you examine things like whether a video goes out in the YouTube feed or whether your hit count is correct, like here, the last video I put up, the hit count showed the public that I was at between two and 400 hits all night long. And an hour after I had put that clip up, the real-time view that they supposedly supply had shown that I was damn near 2,000 hits. This goes on all the time, and this is what they're admitting to. And you've got to realize that when you put a video up, if it went to two or 3,000 hits within the first hour or two of you putting it up, people would really want to see that. They'd say, hey, there's something to see here. But what they do is they artificially hold the hit count down so they can verify the authenticity of a hit, you know, and all this other nonsense. Um, and what we find is the true count that they provide in the real-time viewer always lags behind, at least for a few days or a couple days, the, the count that the public is seeing. But there have been cases where people have embedded my clips on private websites with hit counters and they have gone far beyond the hit count in a week or two uh, that's still far beyond what YouTube claims any one of my videos has, has had. So in my view, that's direct interfer interference. So it seems it's almost like a, uh, a more subtle form of interference than a, you know, classical knock-at-the-door men in black kind of thing. It's, it's they're, they're playing little games with how information is being distributed. Right. And, and it's not only that, it's hard for people who don't have any technical ability. It'd be near impossible for you probably even to catch on. But even when you have uh, a, a video properly embedded uh, on a private website and a hit count, um, you know, you have to question, well, is your hit counter working right? A lot of people mistake uh, requests for files with hits because that used to be called hits where someone would come and the hit count would jump to 100 because that visitor needed 100 files from the website. So, you know, I'm aware of all these things, but, you know, I've looked into this. I had a, a weather balloon looking thing that I called Chembomb that I filmed with the telescope blowing up over houses. And that's the video I'm talking about. A guy had damn near a million hits after a very short run. I don't know whether it was a, a week or two. I forget what it was. Not very long. And to this day, um, that clip doesn't have anywhere near that. And that was years ago. Well, if that's the case, then you have you have more people seeing your work right. or seeing this than what's actually that's being right. portrayed. Which, in, in all goodness, that's a good thing. Right. That's how I look at it. That's exactly how I look at it. You know, I see so many channels now um, where people are doing critical work um, against the kind of false media events that get pushed all the time. And you'll go visit these channels. They have two, three hundred hit uh, subs, if that. 
and their videos may never get more than a couple hundred hits. And I always comment to them, I would be willing to bet that way more people are seeing your work than is being reported. Yeah. Well, here, here's a very interesting um, question to throw out to everybody. All the things we've been discussing so far, because I kind of like to see three different people's take on this, and I'm going to use the generic term, how does all this relate to the New World Order? I mean, if if the... I mean, the hot button right now is the whole flat earth thing. You know, I mean, just more and more people, it's just kind of snowballing. So, I mean, if that is the the big lie, as they say, uh, then, you know, I mean, I think that would be pretty much all-encompassing right there. I mean, once you find... I, I mean, right there, you find out who's got that, that knowledge, and then uh, that's that's your bad guy from there on in. I mean, they... If if they are aware of this information, then I mean you you are pretty much enslaved. That's kind of the spooky part of the whole thing. So. Well, we kind of know that we've all been enslaved to a lot of stuff around us, but trying to define who is the new world order, or who is the one that's got the hand on that button that's mm-hmm. controlling thing. It's a system that's in place, and I think Crow had referred to it one time as like a big giant computer somewhere that's possibly could be doing this. Who knows what it really really is. Right. But uh, the awakening that we had with the, uh, the Internet hive mind, uh, people are seeing things and understanding things and waking up to the fact that what we've been handed, this, this whole pile of poop that we've been handed to say this is what the truth is, uh, they're realizing that it's not. So whoever may be controlling it, they're not so much in control. Like you said, the flat earth thing is going on. Uh, they may be seeing like, oh, we're losing control of it. But if it's a computer system that's throwing out frequencies or throwing out whatever it might be, it could just stay one step ahead of you the whole time and you live your whole life through this whole deception and you leave out and you go like, wow, that was a pretty good school that I went through. <laughs> that might be all it is when you get out this other side. Right. Who knows? I don't think we I don't think anybody has ever said who exactly is the New World Order, or is it a system, or is well, it just a yeah. whatever? I, I think that when we say things like Illuminati and New World Order, we're not really saying much, which is why I generally refer to what we're talking about as the ruling class, a class of people that is not a very large group of people with all the power. That includes royalty, apparently. But <clears throat> here's the rub. People can come to me and say, what's the lunar wave? I can say I have theories that I have based thousands of hours of observation and study time um, that don't exactly tell us what the wave is, but it has led to announcements like what space might be, the fact that nobody's going to space. But if you ask me about the people who are running this place, I can tell you flat out, without any argument that I will ever accept that they lie for a living, and we can take something as simple as Sandy Hook, people can come ad nauseum and challenge the idea that that was faked. It doesn't matter. We know beyond the shadow of a doubt that that was a completely staged event where no one was killed. When you begin to extrapolate out what that means, let me tell you something. Um, If you are living under a governing system that would do that to its population and the world population as a whole, all of a sudden everything goes up for grabs. There is not a thing you have ever been told that is not suddenly on the chopping block to be challenged. And when you finally reach that point and you live that way for like a year, 
All of a sudden you find out that you're a human being, not an animal. The way you think, the way you learn, everything begins to change because you're no longer a sucker. You're no longer a rube. You're no longer a baby that can be placated with a lollipop. Those days are gone. So when we consider the question that Jason just asked, in my mind, it's not really so much who is, you know, behind all this. I mean, we know royal families are. We've already linked them up. But regardless of what name, what family, what bloodline is doing this, what we have learned is that if we simply stop buying into the system that they have painted so falsely, uh, we begin to, to gain back some modicum of freedom that we surrendered, you know, so many decades, probably centuries ago, when these lies mm-hmm. began to spin around, like what this world actually is, what the moon is, what any number of things are, what true news is, for that matter. And yeah. not only that, you know, if you really want to put icing on the cake, uh, I had mentioned in a podcast that I did a little while ago that I had come to the point where I was questioning the idea that uh, the world population had fluctuated that much. Uh, Since I've said that, I have been inundated with videos of people using high math, low math, middle math to demonstrate that the population can't be accounted for at its current size uh, for having started any more than 2,000 years ago. And there have been all kinds of estimates that are even shorter than that. So, I I mean, I know I've, I've kind of broadened what we were talking about. My point would be there is a ruling class And though there are things like the lunar wave where we can't give concrete answers on a lot of things, there are things where we may not be able to answer anything, but we can absolutely tell you that they were false beyond the shadow of doubt. Well, why I brought that up was I'd kind of like to tie it all together. If indeed the lunar wave is one example of our entire universal structure being obfuscated to us, how does that benefit the ruling elite and what are they hiding from us? Well, I mean, if you wanted to basically go with that, it's most basic. Um, we could use the old computer analogy, bad data in, bad data out. People who have lived cradle to grave with bad information could not possibly have made a single good decision their entire lifetimes because their decisions were based on bad information to start mm-hmm. with, which means um, control of that group of people with bad information would not be that much work for people who are dealing with good information. But if you extrapolate logically out that there are people in charge who will never need money, there is no amount of money that they can spend where they will be worried about needing more. A person in that situation will probably be after two things. There are only two things left to seek when you have wealth to that degree. The first one is longevity of lifespan. The second thing is power, and power implies control. And since you're rich, presumably you can get the best medical care and have the best medical secrets available on this world. So my point would be is that we can logically extrapolate that a person in a controlling situation on this world would be concerned with control and power and that keeping people completely befuddled about even their place in the scheme of things are more easily controlled because they can't make good decisions based on bad information. Right. And they've done such a good job obfuscating things, we don't actually know even enough of the evidence we're trying to, to find with all the tools available to us. We still don't know exactly even how our own planet and the stars in the sky really work. We're really not sure. You f- we found enough evidence to question things, but not to nail it down. 
You see, but that's a that's a catch twenty two, isn't it, Jason? That that idea that you just threw out on the table fits the old model of we don't know because I couldn't go to school and sit with a group of people that were told now you know. We're beyond that now. There will never be another classroom in this world that is ever able to confirm any single thing for me, which means I have to come to a point by my own ability to live and learn as a human being where I know some things. And while I can't answer all the questions I'd like to know, I sure as hell can determine a lot of things and know for a fact they are false. And when you reach that level, then it becomes a question of how many other people know. And since I can't understand how many people that is, then the real thing becomes to educate myself as highly and as accurately as I can and then to spread what I have learned to others who may take it further, discard it, or look into it, and then move through life in that way. Because the point I'm making is when you have a world control system that is allowed to do phony things like fake like children were butchered by assault weapons in a school and tell the world that that was true, never again will there be a group of people put into a room that is being educated by the system we've grown up in um, and have those people walk out and say, okay, everything you know now is, is accepted by the system. Do you understand? Now it becomes the individual. Now it becomes we have to work as individuals and do what we can for everyone else around us. Right. No, you're quite correct. The lunar wave is just one example of what we believed as children taught in school is definitely not true. We don't may not know exactly what it is, but we know that what we were taught originally is not accurate, and now we have to do our best to figure it out. Right, and, and, and as an example, the cat is out of the bag. There are Lord knows how many people in every corner of this world that are aware of the lunar wave. I mean, I go into Russian chat rooms where they're talking about it, French chat rooms where they're talking about it, um, it's it's everywhere. So the point is, what I set out to do and what I did are two different things. I set out to film things in the sky. What happened was is I filmed a thing I wasn't expecting to film. And then I did what I could to stand behind it to say, hey, man, this isn't right. There's something here. And over time, it's gone out. Now the question becomes, will it stick to the wall? For my money, it's already kind of stuck to the wall. Now it's just a matter of time before maybe some other person helps to define it. Maybe some piece of the control system falls down. I don't know what comes next. Point is, is the lunar wave is a perfect example of the new reality that we live in when we understand that those who have the control are, do not have our best interests at heart and are never going to tell us the things we want to know. So true. That's absolutely correct. Now, I have a really big question I'd like to hear an answer from all three of you, if you would. And, Crow, I guess you can start with this. Based off of everything you've experienced so far in your research, can you give your description of what the Earth and the the heavens really are from your point of view? Um, No, I guess, I I mean, not with 100%. I can tell you, I can't tell you that I believe they are anything. Because I'm not to that point and may never be in my lifetime. I hope that's not true. What I strongly suspect and what I will spend my time researching is that space is likely liquid. 
The orbital model is a complete lie. The idea that things are round and spinning is probably false. And the best description of this world currently for this month, where I where my research has taken me now, is probably the best description of this world we're all sitting on right now, is to take the word planet and knock the T off the end of that word. But on top of that, it is quite likely to me that this world was misdescribed partially because there is a huge land mass somewhere that none of us are aware of that only the most elite have access to. I think that's a distinct possibility, and I think that Antarctica may be the key to that. I know the Flat Earth people say that that's an ice wall around this place holding the oceans in. I also know that 47 nations or something like that military guard that place to keep everyone out, and I also know that there's not a single person living that has any real idea about what's beyond the snapshots from the coastline we've seen, if that's even Antarctica. So I guess that's what I can say at this point. But again, um, I don't believe any of it. I, I don't have a way to to help myself believe it because I can't confirm it to that level. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Randy, what are your thoughts on this? Well, ditto a lot of what Crow just said, but I'm going to just add a little bit more to it. Um, they call them airplanes, you know. Uh, I, I do think we live on some sort of plane. Now, I'm not going to say it's completely flat or anything like that. Obviously, we're not spinning at 1,066 miles an hour. Uh, if it was, we'd be slung off of it, you know, real quick. Um, what I have noticed, and I'm just going to take just basic things around us all day. Now, why is the U.N. flag copied after the flat earth model map, Okay. And so is a lot of different other countries. But I was just opening my eyes and just say, okay, now I'm not high enough to see what we live on. I've never been in space. I've flown a lot of airplanes, and I've been up high enough to where you can see, but you really can't get a good grasp on it. I observe aircraft that they fly over. An airplane flies straight out until it just totally disappears. If it's going around a ball, it would be going down toward the ground the whole time. That doesn't happen. But just simple things, and, I, and I'm going to challenge people to, to be observant. I'm watching TV, and there was a movie that was on, and it came up with their logo, Universal Studios, okay? Universal. <laughs> but they showed the United States and South America, but what's around it, there's a circle that goes around it, and when you zoom in on it, it looks just like the flat earth map. Okay, just go one step further. I was observing one day, I was down at the uh, Ellington Airfield down in South Houston, an airport that NASA uses all the time. They've got a brand new uh, 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 signage or whatever you want to call it. It's up on a big flowered hill or a little knoll. It says Ellington Airport. But what they have there is they have a big circular Thing, sort of like that, uh, what is that, That uh, the great big arch in wherever town it was up Space there in the Louis. north. St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis Arch, yeah. It looks similar to that, but of course it's only about 25 or 30 feet high. Okay, now this going from one side of this, this part of their signage, but yet there's a jet that's flying underneath it with, you know, like it's, a, it's all made of metal. But it's indicating like, okay, this plane is flying underneath a dome. Okay. Another observation. So I'm, I'm had the TV on the day other day and had this. What's that TV show? Uh, 
Dancing with the Stars. It was just a commercial or whatever it was. They show the, the, the shiny ball that they give away, the mirror ball trophy, but it says, it shows a mirror ball, and it says Dancing with the Stars. But all the way around it, there's this sparkly gold-looking, stardust-looking stuff to indicate, is that the ice circle? Why do they call it the Arctic Circle? They didn't call it the Arctic Island. They call it the Arctic Circle. So there's a lot of things pointing a certain direction, and, and, and Crow was kind of alluding to it a little bit, but didn't go very far into it. But uh, go study out Admiral Byrd's uh, whole ordeal and, and all the stuff that he did in, in the, in, in the uh, Arctic area. Why do they have a treaty that no one can go down there? So is there a big land mass or something going on that no one can get to? There's a lot of things indicating that this whole place that we live on is not what we've been taught. And I think as time goes on, that more and more people are going to wake up to the fact that, holy crud, we've been lied to. Oh, really? Yes, we have been. And so more and more people are coming that direction to realize that what we live on is not what we've been told. And so just do your own observation. And one of the observations that I'm going to challenge everybody again, don't take my word. Go out there and try it. Next time you have a nice, beautiful, sunny day, I sit on my back patio and have coffee in the morning. I observe the, the sun coming, come across at a certain point in my fence, and I'll watch it. Now, if it was going around a globe, it would just go straight across above my head, 12 o'clock high, and go on down to the west. But no, it comes up at an arc. It heads out toward the south, southern type skies there, and then it goes down to the west, and then it arcs back to the right a little bit as it's going down at the same equal point to where it rose. But it wasn't a straight arc right across my head. So the sun is actually following a circular pattern across the sky as if it was going across around and round above us versus us spinning around it. So there's a lot of things that you could just go very deep and, and just blow your mind trying to figure it out. But I, I would challenge everybody to, to just observe your surroundings. I mean, how come a bird can fly, a hummingbird can fly above the earth that's flying at a thousand miles an hour? How could that be? You know? So that's my take on that part of it. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I don't know. I've always stayed in the middle as like devil's advocate, you know, just kind of not really. I kind of like to hear where everyone else is coming from and just kind of, you know, uh, kind of pick people's brains as well to. to kind of piece together myself, you know, I, I have a problem with, you know, kind of grasping what uh, reality is sometimes, especially after witnessing, uh, you know, things you shouldn't be seeing across the moon. You're just like, all right, well. I mean, <clears throat> with me, like, I think CD said it the best. Like, there's a there's an Indiana Jones-style quest out there, just out there for the taking, and no one's doing anything about it. Basically, like, everyone said, you know, oh, we went to the moon, Fuck, nothing up there, just all dirty and shit and whatever. We're done. Played some golf. It was great. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're done there. And uh, so nothing to see here. You know what I mean? It's kind of like they kind of took the fun out of it. So it's like, oh, might as well not stare up at the moon. They've already discovered all the cool shit up there. You know what I mean? It's like might as well not even look up. You know, or I could just go on the Internet and see. But it's not the same, like, seeing pictures on, like, the Internet or, like, uh, YouTube. It's like 
completely different. Uh, just seeing the real thing. It's and it's also a, like a kind of a relaxing way to bring you know your night to a close to sit up there by yourself with the the whole looking up at space thing and you, you kind of feel like you're you're also taken in you know like you're on your own like little adventure you control the scope you can look at whatever you want you know you don't have to have someone like what coordinates you want to look at you know what i mean you don't have to do anything like that like it, it's nothing you're not locked to like a crater you can go wherever you want you, you want to stare at I mean, you want to stare at an airplane going by. You want to stare at uh, serious looking all weird. You want to, like, you, you know, there's no real, like, rules while you're out there. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know. I, I just like the idea of just being this adventurer, like, explorer type thing, but it, not having it being ruined by, you know, like, these big companies. Like, well, we knocked that one out, guys. Like, you know. Don't worry about it. So, I don't know. I just think there's a lot more to uh, take in because, I mean, we've been told kind of a lot of, like, don't worry about looking at this. Oh, this is like this. You know, our atmosphere is this high, and don't worry about once you get up this high, you start floating away. But, you know, well, as long as we're down here, we're good. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe math. Maybe we start looking at some math. You know what I mean? Like, and really, like, take on like I don't know math. All I know how to do is go outside and shoot the moon. That's that's all I can contribute. I, I hope someone else who knows how to, uh, I don't know, use their the rest of their brain to do you know something more productive to like kind of peel away another like you know little spooky layer to this uh, this reality we live in. I guess you know. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I have an idea, and I think this is the perfect show to throw this out there. I would like to start a crowdfunding project to send a small rocket with a very good camera up there. Yes. And see what we see. And I've been speaking to people about this already, and I would need a lot of help from people who know how to do these sorts of things and where to do it so that we could do it, what the cost would be, what camera to use how to actually do a rocket and make this absolutely as open and public as possible and just see what happens. I've been told that people from the flat earth community would contribute to that in a heartbeat. Absolutely. What do you all think about that? And what do you think is the possibility I could pull this off? Anything could be pulled off. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, if you have an imagination to do anything, it can be done. Uh, and I really do believe that uh, people would rally around it. Thing is, is, is as I say, you got one shot to make this thing happen. Have cameras straight up, right out the nose cone of this thing, looking straight up, doing live telemetry video or you know recovery of a of a disc, whatever you do on on a camera, and have it in highest definition you could possibly get it in. No fisheye lenses or anything like that. Shoot straight up, straight down, off to each side of it. Uh, I think it would be a cool idea myself. Mm -hmm. I I think that uh, to get a rocket that's going to matter, you're going to probably have to hook up with a rocket group. Um, from what I understand, at a certain rocket engine size, you have to be licensed to even be allowed right. to do it. 
But uh, I think it's a little bit different with weather balloons. Um, people have started to do that. And I've always thought that if someone actually did went at the weather balloon idea uh, with a good amount of fore planning and the right equipment, uh, you might be able to get somewhere with that. I think some people may have hit 100,000 feet, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with private weather balloons. I forget what the record is. Um, but I, I think that would be a much easier way to go at it. The problem with doing a rocket is you're going to have to probably hook up with a rocket group, get someone who's licensed to get the bigger rockets, um, and then you're announcing what you're trying to do. So if there really is anything to discover where you're trying to discover things, you're probably going to run into some roadblocks um, or who knows what. Uh, I think I would be more more likely to try to go for a weather balloon. Uh, I don't know enough about distances to, to know what that would do. Can a weather balloon get high enough to get the data we would need? Basically, could we get a good shot of the Earth? I, I think, well, I, I think a lot of that has to do with weather, but all you need to do is go online. Uh, there's uh, just a litany of weather balloon launches by, suppose, private individuals, and I think they even start to show who's, who's the record holder for the highest, um, and then you can start to calculate. You know, it's funny, for a long time, the, the flat Earth argument was was about, well, I can't see any curvature on the horizon. Um, and then people started really getting into it, and they realized, well, we've got to be at a certain altitude before you'd even be able to do that. Um, yeah, I think you could absolutely get high enough with a balloon to do some things. But if I was going to do it, not only would I want to be looking back down, I'd want to do it on a on a time when the moon is up. I'd want to do it on a time when both the sun and moon are up because I'd want to try to get better footage of both of those things. Right. Well, this is my official announcement that I would like to attempt this and use this show as a platform for spreading the information. So I'm putting out an open invitation to anybody who wants to contact me at secretsofsaturn at gmail.com about how we would pull this off, make it absolutely as public as possible, you know, street live streaming, however we can do it, things I don't know how to do yet, so I am completely open to whomever wants to contribute, and hopefully anyone else out there who has a channel or a podcast wants to help spread this information, spread the word that we would like to try this, and then we will see what we see. And of good course, on, we're good on you. It's, it's going to have to be funded, of course. Idea, yeah. I don't have the money to do this myself. So it would have to be, we'd have to figure out what it would cost and see if it's something people would contribute to. But I'm very willing to, to do this and put that information out through this show. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you're willing to do the whole crowdsourced funding, um, that, that would be the way to go. I did that once. Um, I vowed that I would probably never do it again. Um, it's so much work. And in my case, it was just taking so much flack from so many people that it just really, I would rather just live my life and do the things that I'm doing. But man, more power to you. If you're going to get behind this and do it, um, I'll, I'll do what I can for you. I'll, I'll, I'll put out, you know, updates on my channel about your progress and that kind of thing. Well, first and foremost, we need to figure out what it would cost to do this. I'm assuming it's easily feasible to purchase a weather balloon, purchase a few cameras. Um, People who have that technical knowledge would have to get in touch with me because I don't have it. And if all of us could work together to just keep this updated and say, hey, this is what we're doing and when we're doing it. That would be that would be amazing, and I think this needs to be done to really at least contribute to this overall challenging of our worldview that that's been going on for ages now. And I just want to throw out: you can find actually find like weather balloon kits on Amazon. They're like not too expensive, so like anybody can basically just scoop one of these things up. You don't got to be like some like 
you know, like legitimate, like scientist professor or something weird. You just got to have a credit card, but it's like, I don't know. I think the cheapest one I saw was like 800 bucks or something like that. But I mean, yeah, like, I don't know, like if you need like accessories and all that, but like, well, I, I, I think the, seem... yeah, I think the pre-planning is going to be critical here because mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to do this kind of thing, you really want to try to get up as high as people have gotten. Um, and like I said, I think the place to start is looking on YouTube at what others have done. It gives you people to contact uh, and it gives you people to share what they learned doing it, what they would do differently, that kind of thing. Um, I, I looked at a few of them for a while because I wanted to see if anyone had actually done it without a fisheye lens. It seems like 80% of the images we get from a situation like that are shot with a fisheye, and it's a very yeah. frustrating thing. It's probably because they use GoPros because they're sturdy, but all GoPro images uh, are shot through a fisheye lens. That's, that's, that is their construction, and that's probably a mistake people make without even realizing it. Right, right. You know, there's the uh, the go fast rocket footage out there, uh, which was I think the highest claimed to be the highest amateur rocket launch. They claim they hit 73 miles, but there are people still arguing today. The, the first time I saw it, I sent it to a few people because it, for the life of me, it looks like it stops spinning and hits something solid and almost gives a liquid sound in a way when it it kind of goes boom 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 and it stops. Yeah. And of course, this whole story came out about the yo yo air brake system and all this other stuff. Um, which, you know, I didn't even bother to look into it. My point being, uh, there's your rocket example, the highest one done by supposed amateurs, and they're claiming 73 miles. Hmm. But you'll never shoot a rocket like that without rocketeers and licenses and that kind of thing, unless you do it on the sly, unless you want to go to a desert somewhere and do a launch and uh, not tell anyone. Right, and I'm assuming that's a federal offense, correct? I have no idea why, why <laughs> yeah. I guess there's a huge danger that you could, you know, knock a plane out of the sky or something. I don't know. Yeah, what's the law on shooting rockets uh, in your backyard? Like, uh, you'd be surprised. Just... <laughs> you know, when I shot that exploding, that exploding weather balloon-looking thing, mm-hmm. I looked up the rules on even just launching a weather balloon. But that's around city limits. Um, you know, a lot of people go out to the desert to do it. But uh, right. I, I think the pre-planning on this is everything. And since we have YouTube, there's absolutely. An easy way for a single person to look around and drop a few comments, contact a few people, and find out what they learned in doing it. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a, that's exactly what I want to do. Use this show as the springboard for this, and we will plan from here. Yeah, with the, like, ab- absolutely. I mean, the Flat Earth community, dude, going to eat this shit completely up. I mean, all, like, all I do is listen to podcasts all day. It's just so many times, like, these guys are just screaming about... You know, it, it's flat, it's flat. You can watch this video. I'm like, dude, you have the following to probably just be like, hey, uh, if all of you chip in $2 or like, you know, whatever, just you can get like a little, uh, you know, something going like what you're trying to do right now. But it's just like no one's doing that. Just, just I've been to told that, like, which is why I'm saying this. I've kind of had enough of people s- screaming one thing or another. It's like, OK, well, then let's prove it. Dude, you are a badass. There it is, <laughs> man. Go go go! Bring home your lunar wave. Actually, trumpet. Yeah. You get you get that piece of footage that matters, and there it is, man. Dude, if you get your rocket to surf on a lunar wave, dude, <laughs> there it is. Come on now. Well, my thoughts here are depending upon the amount of money we could bring in, what would be the minimum, and up from there. Because if we're not worried about bringing these cameras back home, like somebody can barely afford, a, you know, a Rebel T three I, which is the only camera I own besides my Blackmagic Pocket Cinema. Um, you know, I'd want that back. So this would have to be completely with the idea of 
We're going to buy the best cameras we can to get the best images possible. We're not worried about getting them back. All we need to know is that we're getting the footage. I, I think you need right. to go look at what's online. I think you GPS them so you know exactly where it lands first off. Um, I think that's what I have seen in common with all the ones that I've looked at. Um, they know they have a map, a Google map that tells them where their thing came down. Um, but first of all, the, the the planning for this is everything. I think that before you can even really begin to have a conversation much beyond the point we're at now, um, you have to go out and do the pre-planning and really start to wrap your head around what you're talking about. Well, this is me saying it. Anyone out there with the technical knowledge and anyone who wants to contribute, email me at secretsofsaturn at gmail.com. And I don't know what's going to be more cost-efficient, but I'm just throwing this out there. I recently listened to a podcast where this guy's uh, uh, getting together a cube set for, like, UFO research. He's put all these bells and whistles and shit on it, but, like, it it didn't seem like it was that. Like when when he was discussing the price, it didn't like you know like uh, I was like, well, I could, I mean, I could just go buy, I can go get a loan and get a satellite. Are you kidding me? You know, it was just kind of like sounds cheaper than you sounds think. almost too good to be true, right? You know, yeah, that's that's another thing. It's just like really, you just it's just that easy now. We're just throwing them up there. That's yeah. weird. I, and I'll only I'm see a, a couple a in the night skeptical. sky, you know what I mean? Like, I'll sit out there for a while, I won't see anything passing, but apparently we're just tossing them up there like it's, you know, changing our pockets. Well, gentlemen, we've covered a lot of ground here, and I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Uh, I'd like to hear final thoughts from everyone. What do you think the future might hold, what the future of humanity might be? Crow, would you like to give your final thoughts? Um, you know, I'm not sure I can go at that. Uh, I've found living my life that the things you don't expect are the things that end up really changing things. Um, for my part, I'll keep doing my podcast. Um, I'll film when I can. Uh, I can't have winter forever here, although it sometimes seems like it. Uh, we have finally warmed up. We had it yesterday and today. We were actually what I would call hot. So this is the first time I can say that since I've been here. Uh, so I'll be filming and doing the podcast. Chris, go ahead and give your final thoughts. Uh, what are we doing here? Uh, the future of humanity? Well, future for you and the future of humanity. What do you think's going on? Uh, my future? Uh, who knows, man? I'm just pressing on. I mean, kind of kind of in a dark uh, place myself at the moment, but I mean, <clears throat> this whole lunar wave thing, it's kind of brought a wave of, no pun intended, uh, of positivity in my life, which is kind of cool. But also, you know, uh, waves ebb and flow, I reckon. But, uh, I mean, I really have no plans just to keep pressing on and uh, trying to think of new stuff to do. Uh, like, now that I have, you know, people's attention, I'd like to, you know, make a little entertain the people, you know what I mean? Like, give them a show. I mean, I, I always, like, I've always been set up to stream. I've, like, tried to do it several times, but, like, I've never had any attention. So, thanks to Crow, I mean, I've kind of, like, you got you know, the word out. So I've got like people stopping in and checking shit out. So that's, that's cool. But, uh, I, I would like to like kind of do some tricky gimmicky stuff with the whole streaming thing and kind of sticking with this, uh, this whole, uh, mobile, uh, extreme astronomy setup that I've got where I can just like throw it in my car, drive anywhere and just kind of set up as long as I got signal, you know what I mean? And, uh, but yeah, I've got some pretty cool ideas, especially with VR coming out. Like, uh, I just got some really good ideas for like uh, VR 3D and, and like setting up stuff for streaming like that, and just kind of like 
giving people like a, I don't know, like a, kind of feel the atmosphere that I'm in, you know, that I'm streaming from, I guess. But I know that's not like, you know, the, the answer to the, the dark question you had there, but that was more of my future and kind of uh, rambling on from there, I guess. <laughs> well, thank you, Chris. Randy, are you with us? I'd love to hear your final thoughts on what your future is and what you think for the future of humanity. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, 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 my future is is to continue working, c- continue eating every day, number one. <laughs> but uh, uh, just exploring things, you know, just exploring the, uh, the boundaries of what my new equipment can do and uh, expand my horizons. And as uh, far as humanity is concerned, uh, you know, when you show a lot of people this information that we have, a lot of it is kind of up in the air because it's all new discoveries. Uh, a lot of people are fearful. And, and as I, I, I tend to leave everybody the same way, every, each and every person that walks the face of this plane here, you're very special. You're one of a kind. Okay? You're here for a reason. And the system has put fear in everybody. And I would say lose the fear somehow or another. Gain knowledge and lose the fear and be special in your own purpose in your own way and in your own purpose. But uh, just stand up. Just stand up what you believe in. Have no fear because this is a really, really a cool journey. There is people who's trying to control us, but really they they don't if you have knowledge, you know, because knowledge puts down a lot of that negative stuff. But, uh, yeah, each and every person is very special, and uh, and I just want to tell everybody that can hear me, I appreciate each and every one of you. I don't know you. But you know what? We're all here together, and uh, it, this is an exciting time. So that's kind of my take, and I'm just having fun with this. Thanks, Randy. Well, gentlemen, I want to say absolutely wonderful work to all of you, and thank you so much for the time you've given us today. I think this is going to be a great place for people to come and at least check out what the Lunar Wave is all about, especially if they don't know too much yet, and hopefully we open a few more minds out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Crow, Randy, and Chris, thank you so much for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Lots of questions to ask. We'll see you out there, whatever there really is. Manifest. Yes, I'm